Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, everybody, this is your good friend, Dr. David Froden from down here in the North Star Recording Studio in the great state of Wisconsin. And we have an awesome show tonight with Matthew Hoover. I'm going to tell you about him in just a minute. Um, but yeah, we did have a little break here from the show, so we are we are back into scheduled programming. A shout out to John Grant from the 405 Media out of Los Angeles, California, for syndicating this show. And for those of you who want to do Doc, oh, a solid. So School of Airs, Rethinking School Safety, my book, um, had made a big jump in uh, in sales here in the last week or so. Um, Matthew's like, Hey, there is a podcast I'm supposed to be on right now. Oh my God. There he is. All right. So yes, yeah, the school of errors, rethinking school safety in America. If you don't have it, go and get it. You want them to have that information before your kids get back to school. So, Hey, Matthew Hoover describes himself as just a dude with hard life experience with his family. He operates a resale shop in rural Wisconsin and sells furniture, household items, collectibles, boat propellers, luggage, camping items, knives, firearms, and ammunition. He is the host of the popular CRS Firearms YouTube channel that focuses on firearms, self-defense, supply chains that impact weapons and ammunition, and the psychology of personal safety. In August of 2020, he released an insightful YouTube video in which he described his personal observations of the four phases of chaos, those of impact at consumer demand and supply side specific to gun ammunition. This episode uh, combined observations with data and delivered a kind of a chilling, a very realistic, raw, critical message for Americans attempting to make sense out of chaos. What's been really happening, not only for the last month or so, but kind of what's been forming here for the last maybe six, eight years. Um, so that episode focused on face validity, what he is actually seeing, what his customers are telling him, what his supply, what his suppliers are telling him. And he's going to share that with us today, plus updates. Obviously, he did that show a month ago. And back then, the city of Kenosha here in Wisconsin looked a lot different than it does today. Now, a little, uh, just a, a, something else. Usually, um, guests are in different time zones, different areas. And Matthew's just like 30 minutes from me. So we actually probably share the same weather. So this is pretty cool. But uh, I, I love his channel, uh, CRS Farms. I do have a link. If you go in, in the chat on the side, you'll find a, a link up to his his channel but matthew welcome to the show hey <laughs> oh uh, so, i wasn't even thinking i should have shared this on my timeline so we could get a bunch of viewers uh if you want to chat for a second i'm gonna oh, do yeah. that real quick just kind yeah. of go yeah. through things absolutely so so uh, a few updates here from the safety doc podcast um one is good news my uh Second book is is in the mix right now. It is uh, The Velocity of Information. I was working with my editor late into the night, and we're aiming to get that out in spring. So The Velocity of Information is looking at uh, the impact of chaos on a population, entire you know, United States, different countries. 
Um, deals with finite voltage at 90 days, people tend to burn out, but it has the studies that, that give evidence to this. Uh, so it's really fascinating. And again, there's, there's really nothing like it. Uh, so that's going to be coming out in spring. You know, more, more updates uh, for me. Hey guys, <laughs> a story here. I got in a bike ride yesterday, way out in the country, right? Kind of, uh, you know, not, not too far from where, where Matthew is and and uh, I pull off on a side road to just grab a snack and stuff like that. I'm down like 500 feet, and these two two guys in a pickup truck like uh, on the main road. Then they slow down. I'm like, okay, like this could be good or it could be bad. And then they pull down kind of slow toward me, and and then they roll down the window and they're like, hey there, like is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just I'm just doing a snack here. Um, but thanks for thanks for checking. And then, and then they they're like, are you sure? Like nothing wrong with the bike? I'm like, yeah. I'm, pretty sure like nothing's wrong we can put it in the back we can do you need to go somewhere like we could we could take you and i'm like no 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 good good this is just a regular scheduled break right now <laughs> and there's like nothing there's like soybeans on both both sides of me so uh but they were cool they're cool but but yeah i had to convince them that i was okay the bike was fine um, and I wasn't like out in some really clandestine, crazy place where you'd be like, why is somebody, somebody down there? Um, but yeah, but yeah, um, it was, the, is, now, this, couple, is this the link right there? Um, the link to this show, um, uh, that's a good question. Or can you text me the link real quick? Um, I can email you the link. Does that okay. work? Okay. Yep. All right. So right now, da, 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 and the email. apologize for that. I totally didn't think about this before we started going. Otherwise, I would have had all this done ahead of time. Yeah. No. No problem. Um, all right. We have we have excellent faithful listeners here, so they are going to hang with us. So it's good. Are there comments in the chat or does it yep. how does that work yeah yep and you should be able to see them um right now in the in the chat so here is the i just emailed you the link to the show oh there's all the comments ah, i was on the wrong thing i was on private <laughs> bacon, bacon maldito our good friend from inglewood california is in the house uh elephant armpit that guy is insane he's crazy he's a good dude he's a good dude um, yeah, from the southern part of the, the state, Sass Too Many, uh, Mictibus, uh, Red Crusader from Ohio, keeping things real in Ohio, Red Crusader. Um, hey, everybody is, is rolling in here. So yeah, we have our guest, um, Matthew Hoover is going to talk about the four phases of chaos. And as I was, um, talking before, uh, with Matthew, I'm not sure if it's four phases or now it's like 4.5 or if we're into like five phases because uh, his show was last month. And since then we've had, you know, more riots, obviously in Wisconsin, um, you know, Kenosha just about a week ago. So yeah, things are accelerating um, uh, at a fast, uh, fast rate here. Um, and I'm what does it, what does it mean for ammo and all right. Right. All right. So I'll do a brief summary of what I covered in the video, just so everybody's on the same page here. Um, let me grab my whiteboard of knowledge. The whiteboard of knowledge. Right. Uh, is it a frame? Can you read it okay? Yeah. 
right about there. All right. So basically, the first wave happened when everybody got their tax returns. There was a lot of talk about the coronavirus. People are starting to get kind of on edge. Um, these are just your normal people that have been prepared since the Obama administration. What they were trying to do is just sure up their supplies. If they were short on ammo for a particular firearm or they had something on their wish list that they wanted to get, this is when they got it. Now, this would chew up all the surplus. This is when your like $50,000 or 50,000 round drums disappeared, oh, stuff wow. like that. Your magic $399 AR 15s, that all got absorbed by that. All right, so now we're getting into the second wave. Uh, this happened when the lockdown happened. Like, okay, so this is a little bit serious than we thought. You know, this, we should start taking this seriously. Yeah. So this is when your normal people that just like straight up pump action shotguns, bolt action rifles, stuff like that. They were like, okay, you know, I've never needed anything more than that. I hunt. That's sufficient. Well, they started looking like, okay. Maybe, just maybe, I should keep more than 20 rounds of ammunition for my bolt action 30 odd six. So they started getting like AR 15s, your 9mm pistols, started buying up that ammunition. Now that took care of the stuff that was on the shelves. That's when the shelves pretty much went bare. So, so when was that? Like, what, what, when, what year or when, when did that actually happen? This is right around lockdown time. Okay, so, so like March, April. Well, yeah, it actually got worse, too, because originally gun shops were not essential. Like, we were supposed to close. I actually called my oh, local... Right. I actually called my local law enforcement officer, and I'm like, I'm not going to close. Are we going to have a problem here, or what's going on? And he was like, look, man, just calm down. I am not going to go around closing businesses, because most of the businesses where we're in a smaller community would not be able to reopen. Their bills would pile up. They would basically go bankrupt. That's okay. not my job. I don't have the authority nor the desire to tell you guys how you should run your lives. If you want to be out there in possible danger, that's your choice. And that made things worse because, like, they weren't originally protected. And then states started instantly shutting down gun shops because why waste a perfectly good pandemic? And then Trump was like, okay, gun shops are federally protected. So they right. opened back up because we had a little window right there where we were still kind of able to get supplies because everyone else was shut down and we were open. Once they open it, boom, blank on the distributors. It's still like if I go to my distributor right now, do you want me to show it? I can demonstrate it. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. All right. So let me log on to my distributor real quick. This will just take a second. What this is, is this is the main place I buy from. So I would go in here, let's load up, I would go to categories, firearms, rifles, my internet's not the best. Can you put it right there? Yeah, put it, uh, okay. All right, so this is your normal firearms, as you notice, they all say stock for zero. Well, what we'd be interested oh in, particularly right now, is semi-automatic actions. So we'd go to semi-automatic, semi-automatic action. Now, when this really becomes telling is when I hit this little button right here. Hide all out-of-stock items. So this is just any semi-automatic whatsoever. We went from, what was it, 5,000 items to 18 items. Holy smokes. Wow. And it's just like browning BAR, browning BAR, browning BAR, browning BAR. 
Yeah, Brownie B-A-R. Oh, wait, wait. Magnum Research 22. And some Ruger 1022 variants. That's all that's available out of like wow. 30,000 different uh, makes, models, and it's all broken down into categories. So that just, woof, it was gone. So if you didn't already have stuff by then, forget about it. So at that point, where was I at? Two? Yeah. All right. So that was your fuds, your just normal hunting guy, the good old, you know, country boy. Right. So now they're buying the tactical stuff. That cleared everything off the shelves. Oh, I was actually in three. And then the riots happened. This is where your housewives got scared. Your normal people that have no interest in firearms, they don't have a problem with them, but they don't have any interest in them. That was the back order. The back order is so backed up, it's people just aren't even taking them anymore. There's no point. Wow. All right, now we got the fourth wave, which was the realization. That's when everybody's like, okay, things are not going to be the same again. We got right. riots going on. We got this virus, which may or may not be credible. There's a lot of people that believe in it, and there's a lot of people that believe strongly not in it. So there's very strong emotions one way or the other, no matter what. They're like, okay, things are not going to be the same again. Now, this is when people like even me are going back in there because I'm like, okay, so I got ammunition, right. but do I have enough? Right. So I'm even getting it, and that's where the price gouging starts. I think a lot of this started, too, with the coronavirus, the people that wouldn't normally buy guns. They were like, you know, I'm not worried about toilet paper. I got plenty of it. And if I run out, I'll just go steal my neighbors. And they're like, oh, well, what if the neighbor steals my toilet paper? Yeah. So they bought guns. And now to truly understand how bad the ammunition problem is. So in July alone, there was 1.5 million background checks. They said most of these people have never applied for a background check before. Okay. It was a lot more than, you know, two guns being sold to a lot of different people. But we'll just average it out. We'll say two guns, 1.5 million people. Now, if you go on YouTube and you type in, how many rounds of ammunition do I need? The first five results that come up, maybe four, is 1,000 rounds. So that's what everybody's target number is. Okay. So we oh, have wow. to 3 million people, two guns, trying to get 1,000 rounds of ammunition for both those guns. That's three billion over the normal marketing. We have something called on uh, on just in time manufacturing. So what okay. manufacturers do is they manufacture what the current supply is going to be. Wow. So now we got your current supply. So it doesn't matter how many we make a year. It could be a trillion. It could be five. The point is, over on top of that number, we have a demand increase of three billion. Now. To, one manufacturer quoted they were able to ramp up their production by 30%. So let's pretend every single manufacturer can ramp up by 30%. And on normal demand, we consume about 8 billion rounds a year. Now, this isn't realistic. Things just don't happen that smoothly. But we're going to pretend they do. So just to cover the increase of demand in the month of July, to cover this 3 billion rounds with one manufacturer ramping up to 30, we're going to pretend all manufacturers can. That's only 2.4 billion rounds. So that's still not even hitting the 3 billion mark. And that's just for the month of July. Jeez. It just puts things into perspective, like how bad it's going to be. And that's over a year period. That's not, you know, in a week, in a month. That's a 12-month period. 
ramped up 30%, every single manufacturer, nonstop, no problems, no shortages, nothing. Right. So we're looking at long-term ammunition and firearm shortages. And like I said, the distributor's been flat out of stock since all the gun shops reopened. We're selling used. Wow. So um, we have a question from uh, Bacon Maldito. Uh, Bacon is asking, um, are gun sales still a thing up here during a nationwide, or how are their gun sales still a thing? What, Bacon? <laughs> what exactly He's are you asking, asking how are we still selling firearms where there's no guns to sell? Yeah. It's a seller's market right now. There's a lot of people that bought just insanely amounts of firearms, especially during the Obama administration, because 2013, we experienced a similar shortage. And they're like, well, hey, if I could get these firearms, I could sell them in a couple of months and buy a vacation house. Well, when the shortage went away, they still have these stockpile of firearms. So we have used firearms coming in quite frequently. It's still not meeting the demand of our customers. We have a lot of used firearms coming in and they come in. I'll be cleaning them, getting ready to put okay. on the shelf. Some's like mine, mine. Ammunition, the stuff we get in, we hold it back for the people that buy a gun because you can't sell them a gun and not sell them ammunition. So any right. nine, five, five, six, we match it up with a firearm. And then if there's any surplus on top of that, that goes on the shelf, which goes right back out the door. So somebody comes in and, and they they buy a gun. How much ammunition do you sell them at, at that time? A single box. Okay. <laughs> I have That's... one single box for every firearm we got on the shelf. Oh man, so they can't even get in and do training and stuff like that, you know, with it. No, it's not gonna they can't happen. Get okay. Wow. This is uh, man, man, it's we so got, we got stuff on the shelf, but not what people want. They want five, five, six, nine mil. We got yeah. just random like four sixty, you know, whatever, just some hunting cartridge or uh forty cal actually hung out for a while. That's really interesting because see, 40 okay. cal was insanely popular. Like that was the caliber to have. The yeah. FBI, they did some sort of study that basically came to the conclusion 9 mil, 40, and 45 performed similar. The variant, there's a difference, but not enough to make a difference. Okay. So that's everybody just dumped their 40 cals because why? I mean, you could get more capacity out of a nine or you could go the slightly bigger hole of the 45. 40 cal had no place. So you got military trading guns, uh, police trading. Well, I shouldn't say military. Uh, police trading firearms. Everybody dumping off their 40 cals like right around the end of the Obama panic. So now 40 cal, we actually got a little bit of 40 cal ammo on the shelf. It's There's 40 cals available and there's 40 cal ammunition available. Who would have thought it would have been the comeback kid, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. So, um so we could go here in Wisconsin, uh, the Kenosha riots. Um, yeah. So, uh, two people killed, uh, one person, uh, shot and injured, uh, numerous buildings burned down. I think it was Monday night. So I was listening to the scanner, uh, Matthew, and, and there were 37 fire calls for arson <laughs> of fires Man. on from Kenosha. And then, you know, the next day, you know, so many places, um, you know, burned down, but so following, you know, what's happened here, Kenosha, State Street, Madison, additional riots. Um, so people are more people coming in to your store and saying, hey, like this happened 
uh, you know, an hour away from me. And what do you have? Um, so has, have you seen just like what's happening here or, or what's happening, you know, kind of nationally, you know, Los Angeles, other things we've, we've seen, you know, really, uh, you know, obviously violent, uh, protest here in the last couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, tell me about the people who are coming in and, and wanting to buy, like, what We're are actually, they telling you? We're actually far enough away to where we haven't seen a big influx. That happened when the Minnesota riots. That brought yeah. everything up. People slowly coming in, but we didn't really see a big difference. We did have one single person come in. They actually live in Milwaukee or Madison. Anyway, they came up to do a job in the area. I, was, I think it was something for the heavy equipment school because we got one, like, right down the road. Okay. And they were like, oh, you guys have pistols. And they bought two of them. Wow. That, but that so was what, just one. Person. What does it mean for price? I mean, are you able to to charge? I mean, uh, much more or, you know, what's, what's going on? I think it on? doesn't go down like that. All right. So this hypothetical scenario, this is a box of ammunition, right? I have purchased this box of ammunition. Well, if I've purchased it, I've purchased it from the private market because there's nothing on like the normal chains have been broken. They're completely severed. So somebody had come in, they had something from like the Obama era or something like that, or they scored some off a gun broker and they're throwing me a leg, any or throwing me a bone. This box of ammunition comes in. Normally this would be $7. Okay. If I okay. sell this box of ammunition to replace it, it's going to cost me $17. So I still have to keep the lights on. So I got to charge 18 in order to get it back in. And I have to roll the dice that somebody's going to come in and have a box of ammunition to sell. I actually lucked out and I had a plug on ammo, but I've almost burnt him completely out. Like he had just massive supplies. Uh, he actually used to own a gun shop in Illinois. And when he sold it off, they couldn't quite get the amount of money. So he took pallets of inventory. Yeah. And I've just been plugging that out. But it, I'm paying what he would have sold it for retail then. And then still putting a profit on top of that. We're not price gouging, but if you were to look at like prices a year ago and compare it to my prices, then you'd be like, that's price gouging. It's just the right. way it is. Oh man. So so what do you think? Um I, I guess you know you're talking about your the the phases. So are what's what's coming up? I mean, what what it, would you predict? I mean, we're two months away, I think, from today, right? From an election. Um, I, I guess, what, what do you think we're going to see, um, as far as, yeah, uh, civil unrest, as far as people coming in and, and even more demand, are we, is it going to be a couple of years before we kind of get things really back in stock? I mean, what yeah, I'm is saying, I'm thinking happen? four to six years before it turns back to normal. Holy smokes. Uh, that, that, that's a guess. I mean, I don't have magic crystal ball. I'm just looking at the numbers and. What it would take to replace one month. So even if it's just four months with similar selling, we're looking at four years. But that it's a it's a feedback loop. Because it's short now, it makes me desire it. I don't right. need it, but I'm buying it anyway because I'm like, okay, four years from now, do I still have enough ammunition? You know, I make YouTube videos. I got to shoot in those YouTube videos. So I'm scavenging it up. Yeah, I got that plug, but I can't burn them out I'm trying to drag things out until we can get a pallet or something. Right. So, so, 
So right now, people, um, if they're late, if they're late to wanting a firearm, if all of a sudden they're like, "Oh my god!" Like it's oh, too that much election, the ship. So you you have if if they come in, anything you have that you can sell them is it, what I mean. A shotgun. I mean, what what is? Out yeah, there? we got used firearms, but I'm saying okay. if you like, all right. So a year ago, you could have came in and bought a brand new firearm with a manufacturer warranty at a decent price with the ammunition you want. What you're going to get right now, it's if you want something tactical, it's going to be used. There's no doubt about that. It's not going to have a warranty because that warranty expired 15 years ago, and you're not going to get ammo with it except for a single box. Wow. That is, uh, man, that is, that is, that is crazy. That's absolutely crazy stuff. Um, so tell me, tell me about like, what's the, uh, maybe percentage or like people who are com completely new to gun ownership, you know, who are coming in and they're like, you know, Matthew, I've, I've never owned a gun before. And what do you recommend? Or like, what do you even have? And then how do we get trained on it? And, and this, I mean, in, in the years, you know, you've been doing this, um, what does that look like right now? I mean, do you have a lot of people coming in who are like totally, I, you know, almost in panic mode of like, I have to have this. Um, or is it people trying to upgrade what they have or get additional weapons or, or what do you see it? So this, you still had your standard buyers. It was just the spread. I'd say, I don't even want to put a number on probably like 60%, you know, normally know what they're doing. And then 40% that are just completely untrained. Once we got down to the lockdown period and it became clear that the prices are going high and stuff, Unless somebody had some sort of dream gun that they found on gun broker or something, they transferred it through. It's all new customers, all of them. Okay. Because nobody that's already into the firearms community would max out their credit card on something that they could have normally bought a year ago for, you know, a fraction of the price. So, so what do you recommend um, for, I, I guess right now, um, anybody either looking to, um, you know, purchase a weapon or to add to their ammunition or, you know, I, I know obviously there's a shortage, but if, if what, what would be, if you said, if you can get this, go for it. Like if you can do this, go for it. What's the advantage of, of maybe like a shotgun. If you can get a shotgun, obviously, um, you know, this is what you want for ammunition. I mean, what, if people right now are, are just trying to, get some type of weapon to defend themselves. What are the well, shotguns aren't bad because there's still ammo for those, especially yeah. 12 gauge, like a common shotgun. And if you get like something common, like an 870 or a Mossberg, even if it's yeah. just a straight up hunting model, you could get parts, but the parts are selling almost, I can't get, I can't verify this, but I'm assuming they're selling the parts fast enough to where it's barely beneficial to sell assembled weapons. So oh, wow. you, like I'm building this right here, but I'm doing it out of parts. It's the only way that I would have been able to do it. I can basically not buy completed rifles right now. It's semi-automatic. It's tactical looking. Yeah, it's not available. Yeah, they're they're available, but not available. If you get what I'm saying, like I could track it down. I could hint. I could hunt it down, but it's not going to be probably the one I desire. And it's probably going to be expensive. But the parts are still there. You can still get parts if you want to do an AR. For pistols, start looking at the used market. Shotguns, it don't really matter. Because there's still ammo and there's enough shotguns out there where you'll find one if you're looking. 
So like uh, people are coming in and uh, selling, you know, their pistols to you. I mean, how are you getting uh, the stock that you're getting? I mean, how are, is it like a bartering thing? Is it like, I was like a pawn shop type thing. They're like, here, like, what do you give me for this? Or what is, how's that working? It's too tempting not to. It's a seller's market. Yeah. You get to pick the price. If this gun shop won't take it, the one down the street will, because it doesn't matter what they're charging. It'll sell so they'll pay what you're going to get. They'll, they will pay what you want for it. What's So what's like the furthest away you've been getting uh, people calling up and asking like what you have? And they're like, you've got it. Like, I'll be there in three hours. Like, I'm leaving right now. and Just hold it. I'll be there. Anything That's just like random that? chance. But the phone rings constantly looking for 9 mil, 223, 45, just anything. I shouldn't have answered it at first because then we still have a little bit of ammo. <laughs> but I'd be like, yeah, yeah, we got that. They're like put off to the side i'll be there in like 45 minutes oh my god wow so yeah and i guess what what you're also what you're sharing like other um you know firearms and munitions um sellers that that you kind of network with are sharing the same thing i mean is is does any place have more stock or you know i think what you shared in that one on your phone is like what 4800 uh, you know what something ridiculous Multiple so zeros like, down to two digits. This is like everywhere. So yeah, it's it's bad. Um, back orders are just that bad though. They should have stopped back orders immediately. Like I'm fighting for the strangest of firearms. I had a customer call. He's like, "I'm looking for okay. what the hell was it?" Right. A Browning. It was a thousand dollar firearm, a bolt action. So it was still available. I'm like, "Yes, it's available." Charged his credit card. Ordered it. Well, it was my order was being picked from the distributor. Somebody had a little bit more pull with their rep and they sold my inventory. This has happened more than once. So it's getting to the point like the people picking the inventory, you got to be in good with them or they got to owe you a favor to guarantee that you're going to get it because it could be waiting to be shipped and another picker guy comes across. Whoop, that's going to my guy. Holy smoke. I didn't know that was that was going on. Well, Bill. I hate the name drop, but Bill Hicks is the one I've been fighting with. Like yeah. my other distributor that if I hit buy, it shows up like normal. Now, normally I would get 24 hour shipping. If I ordered today, we're going to pretend it's morning time today before noon, it'll be here the next day. Okay. I'm looking at almost a month shipping because there's just, they said they're not even putting the stuff on the shelves anymore. They just put it on the pallet. They're numbering the pallet. Now I didn't see this firsthand, so I can't verify it, but they're like, yeah, we just know what pallets have what on it. We're just picking it off the pallet and sending it right back out. That is, uh, that is insane. Oh, my God. Hey, we have a question from Red Crusader. He's our good friend from the state of Ohio. Red's, Red wants to know he's, he needs a new firing pin for Remington 570. How hard is that to get now? An 870? Is there a Remington 570? One second. I got to see. Red, is that a pretend is. gun you're talking about there? I That might be real. I just haven't. Remington 570. Oh, no, it's real. It's a pump-action shotgun. It uh, looks like it's basically an 870, so you should be able to get the part. I'd check, like, this, uh, probably gun broker first or just do a random Google search because it does. It looks like an 870 firing pin, so I can't imagine that. It would be hard to get. I don't really see a difference between this and an 870 besides that short. But yeah, you shouldn't have too many problems. Like the small parts are still available. They really are. It's completed firearms that would go to a new person. 
Okay. So, so what do you, um, let's change uh, gears a little bit and then we'll, we'll come back to this. But so the, uh, the other um, aspect of, of, you know, what you do is you have a resale shop. So, Mm-hmm. What what are some of the different things I, I touched on before? But what are I guess what are things that are selling right now in your resale shop? And you're like, wow, like I never expected we would sell out of whatever, like boat propellers or like you know, freezers, um, freeze, yeah, freezers. So so what are things right now that are surprising you that people are coming in and like, hey, do you have this? And you're like, what the hell? Like we, we sell like one of those a year, and like you're the first. Uh, you know, first person today that asked that, but 10th person this week. So what, what are some things that are selling, which are kind of baffling? Well, freezers. That was actually it. I sold the freezer out of my garage because people kept <laughs> calling and asking for a freezer. Um, we have a small town and there's actually Amish stores in that that are totally disconnected from the internet. Yeah. So you can still go to those places and get things uh, as far as like prepper supplies. Those are still available, but we're, we're selling things, but the only thing that struck me as odd was freezers. I'm like, hey, I got a freezer in my garage. Let's go get that bad boy. So I had uh, Morgan Rogue on the show from Rogue Preparedness um, about a month ago. And she was saying at that time, yeah, freezers. So she lives in Texas. Um, and it was from June until like right now. They You can't find one. You can't find one new. Um, you can't find one on Craigslist. Uh, anything. Like nobody has, uh, has a freezer. So and then... Um, yeah, here, like uh, the the place in town here that sells, um, you know, freezers and fridges and that. They they said they're out, you know, at least for a few months. I mean, really, I like know. back stores. Well, I know. So here, BJ's is out of uh, is out of freezers for, and I don't know about box stores. That's a good question. Um, if you know, another thing too is like I've had some people tell me <laughs> the stuff that's being built now. Like you want to be really careful on the build date because anything like that that's built after March, it's like not the full crew building it, and it's kind of rushed with parts, oh, wow. so like, things aren't very re- reliable. Yeah, I've I've heard that from a few people kind of in the industry um, of, of just saying like, look look at the date when it was built. Was it before March? <laughs> if it's after, like maybe you want to wait because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. For box stores, I really don't have a lot of information because besides Fleet Farm and uh, Walmart, everyone kicks me out of there because I won't put on a mask. Oh, so, like I got kicked out of Kohl's and yeah, so I don't yeah. have a. So I just stuck to the two stores that I know I can walk through the door, and I oh. go that up in point. I won't go down to Madison or anything like that because I don't want to get trapped on the interstate and well, yeah, boxed in with my family. Let's talk about that. Um, so. Yeah, so coming down my way gets you closer to Madison, and and we were having this discussion, you know, before before we went on the show here. But but yeah, what is you know, tell me about your your concerns about getting trapped, um, you know, either on the interstate or whatever because of of you know the protests are are kind of springing up everywhere. They're moving very fluidly. Um, you know, th- these are things I'm thinking about too. Like never had to think about this before. Now it's like, what do you do if, if you're out somewhere and suddenly all the brake lights stop in front of you and you're like, God, I can't right. think anywhere. So, so what do you think about that? Well, and that's exactly it is you can't track them. If I knew exactly where they were and I could avoid that area, I'd be good to go. But like you said, they're moving fluidly. They're traveling through town to town. Um, from what I understand, I don't have any factual basis to this, but they're even coming from out of state. Like everybody was saying down in Kenosha, a lot of the people were from different states. 
again, that's a rumor. I have no solid fact for this, and I can't verify that. But, yeah, so that's freaky because in my town, yeah, I can get some things. But if I want, like, a mass, a mass grocery haul, because the way I look at it is, like, regardless what you think about COVID or all that crap, the less you're exposed, the better chances you got. So when we go grocery shopping, we go grocery shopping. Two carts coming out of the store right. all in one haul. And you can't do that in Coloma. We have a dollar store, which you can get junk food and some cheese that the gas station sells. So we have to go outside of the town. And in order to have a place that has enough supplies where I can fill up grocery carts, we've got to go to like Stevens Point, Oshkosh, Madison. We can kind of do it in Portage, but I mean, if you're already in Portage, you might as well just go a little farther and go to Madison and have a bigger variety. So we've been actually shooting up the point because things seem to be calm right there right now, but you don't know. For all I know, an hour earlier, somebody died from food poisoning that was a racist food poisoning, and now we got rioters coming through, and it scares the crap out of me because I wouldn't know about it. I'd just be cruising down the interstate, and all of a sudden brake lights come on, and I'm boxed in, and there's people completely surrounding me, and that's it. That, that, that one keeps me up at night and then I yeah. drive truck, but the truck is not a problem. There's not much that can get in front of me that would stop me. And it's not like a tractor trailer where they can just cut my air brake lines or something like that. It, I'm in a heavy box truck, big diesel. So I can, if I have to, but me by myself, that's not that big of a deal. I can defend myself. I can run if I have to. Now, when my family's in the car, what do you do? You know, I right, got right. a newborn, I got a five-year-old, my girl, me, like, I don't have that much ammo. Because. So, so, so what do you, when you, when you talk with your, um, so, so yeah, you talk with your family members about this and you're like, Hey, if you're, if you're out driving and this happens, like. They don't go out. They, they okay. if we're driving, I'm in the car. Okay. I'm like, I'm, that's not a risk. I could not live with myself if things went south. If you leave the house, I'm with you. Yeah. Wow. And this is something too, like, you know, I've been, I've been surprised a little bit that there hasn't been some statement that's come out from insurance companies because uh, everybody has this question, right? I did a show with uh, Joe Dolio, who's in the, in the chat, um, you know, from Michigan tactical wisdom. And, um, and we were talking about that, you know, like, what do, what do you do? Because he was saying in Detroit, where he lives, like a, a, a suburb of Detroit, um, the protest would would um, appear at different Kroger grocery stores. So, you know, you could be inside shopping and you come out and the parking line is shut down because of a protest. You're like, well, how do I get out of here? You know, and um, so it is, it is that it's on my mind, too, obviously, because, you know, we live pretty close to Madison and um, I... I graduated, uh, got my, my doctoral degree out of uh, UW Madison. So there were a lot of nights I'm down there, you know, in the parking ramp on park street, right by the university, right where every, you know, everything is uh, state street is boarded up right now. Like that's where I was. Um, and I'm like, God, I, I wouldn't do that now just for the fact of like, if I park down there, I'm not sure I'd be able to get out. Like, I just don't know if I could get out it's of just the not responsible. Um, so I'm like, I, I'm just, you know, there are certain places and especially here, you know, Madison, Wisconsin, 
it's an isthmus. So there's just like a little narrow piece of land that gets you down by the capital. So it's not like you have a lot of options if the main, this East Washington kind of shuts down, which it often does with the protest. So yeah, for me, um, I'm like, that's just a part I won't even go to anymore because I just don't consider it safe. Like I, 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 I should say like, I don't consider that I could put together an exit plan because there's so few roads down there. Um, and it's water on both sides. Um, and yeah, so basically like, do you leave the vehicle and run for it? You know? Um, well, you're not, you're not the only one. They're paying truck drivers, huge bonuses to go into the cities. So Tell they're taking uh, yeah. hose clamps and putting it. Cause all right. So on the back of your semi, you have airlines, you just lift them up and they pop them off. It's for disconnecting the trailer. Well, that's how the protesters are shutting down semis. They hop in between the fifth wheel right there, and then they pop off the airlines because then the brakes lock up on the trailers. It's like, so they're just taking hose clamps and putting that down. Then they take their passenger side seatbelt, go around their door handle, and then buckle it in so they can't open the door, and they're typically armed to the teeth. But they have to pay them huge bonuses to go into the bigger cities. So I can't imagine the cost of inflation right now in a high urban area. It must be going through the roof. I haven't seen any inflation in my area. Yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't seen much here. But you know, you talk about yeah, kind of the bigger, you know, going into the bigger cities. Like I had uh, I had a couple friends who, um, especially you know, down in in Milwaukee. I mean, that they're they work in like HVAC, and like you know, we've got to send like a team of guys to like one area to work on a house because. Um, yeah, uh, the the chance that something, you know, could be robbed from, a, you know, a vehicle or like that we could be held up and stuff like And there are certain areas, I don't, I, legally you can't come out and say it. You can't say, I guess we're not serving this area, but um, behind the scenes, I'm sure you can say we're not going to go there because we just don't deem it safe. I mean, who's who's going to go to like a zone like the Chaz in Seattle area with, a with you know, a, a Amazon yeah right <laughs> truck or, or whatever you know they're going to go in people know there's packages or or like yeah a semi with um you know the full trailer they'd be insane to do that i mean because uh so i think what you're saying too is like we're going to see inflation we're also going to see areas just becomes deserts as far as like they're not the stores won't be there um, juan cabrera was in the chat before he was talking um about uh san francisco he lives in san francisco and he said you know a lot of stores are kind of shut down you know out here like targets and things and they don't talk about it as much anymore but um you know even like kenosha where um uh, state street in madison which was really vibrant um oh yeah i've been there areas yeah and i mean i, I so anyone you know just wanting to to find out about it, state street connects the capital and the main building at uw madison campus and it's all of these shops um, you know, and it's, it's, you know, places. It's a street of ideas. It is, it is really a yeah, street of ideas. It's really, it's really cool and vibrant. And now when you walk down, it's just, um, it's just boarded up, right. The, on both sides. And I talked to some people and they're like, you know, we're not going to do anything until after the election because they expect there's going to be more rioting. So like, why am I going to re you know, replace my windows and stuff when it's probably two months from now, everything's going to smashed out again. And, uh, it's not only that, like our capital, um, the the statues in front, you know, were ripped down, and then it's it's all graffitied. Uh, windows are smashed in on on the bottom level. Uh, so it is one of these things where, yeah, when the you know we're seeing the police aren't enforcing, and I'm and not, I, I'm I'm assuming they're being directed not to you know enforce 
a lot of these things. And it, it is putting us into a situation where it's kind of like every person for themselves. I have the book Concrete Jungle um, from Clay Martin. And uh, Clay is an ex-Marine uh, recon. It's a really good book about, you know, working with the people in your neighborhood and making sure you're you're really aware of what's happening and, and that you can band together if you have to. Because, yeah, like even right here, you know, where, where I live, I mean, so, you know, it's a community of 10,000. Something could happen, you know, here and we're off the interstate. So when when the riots were happening, um, what was back in early June, end of May, right here, they were putting pallets of stuff in front of the doors of Walmart and yeah, Stock and Field. And so like I'm driving down, I'm like, oh, my God, like they're expecting this to migrate down the interstate and then come off. And then um, so, yeah, it really gets it really gets freaky. So. How, what's your what's your belief on personal safety? How do you stay safe? And you said, you know, driving, you know, truck driving. Um, how do you check out areas? How do you like watch what's happening around you? And you're like, oh, man, I don't know. I'm not going to do this. Um, so. So, yeah. How do you like arm yourself? What what are your kind of rules for engagement? I mean, just give me your your philosophy on all. Well, one, I have to ignore everything because I enjoy sleeping at night. Yeah. Uh, two, I have a scheduled a path, so I already know where I'm going to be. So hopefully somebody will let me know. But I hit a bunch of small towns, so it's not really that big of a deal. Now, when it comes to my personal rules on personal safety, if honestly my family's with me and you pose a threat, you forfeited your right to live. I'll do what I got to do to survive. Now, the bigger cities... They might eat themselves from the inside out. I'm not going to pretend that we're immune to all this or anything like that. But right now, we still have truckers coming in. It's not a big problem. They're charging a big bonus to go down to the bigger cities, and they're afraid how, how to much? do it. Yeah. Huh? Like how much? How much of a bonus are they are they giving people to do that? Like what? What? what I've heard be? rumors as high as three times what they would normally get paid. Wow. Now I can't confirm that. I don't do that that's not my thing this is just a rumor and you know how rumors go with the game and yeah. telephone but anyway that's not that bad those cities aren't even rioting at the moment if people don't shape up those cities will get starved out because they can't grow anything locally it all comes from our areas into their cities who's going to deliver i mean how much money would it how much money would i have to offer you to take an 18 wheeler through a place that's burning with people ripping people out of vehicles, shootings going on. Like what, what amount of money could I offer you to make that money? Like for me, there, it wouldn't matter. It would, I wouldn't even take a million dollars. It's just not worth it because I know the percentage. I'm this big giant target that's loud rolling down the road. No, right. you're going to get attacked. And if you don't, you're going to have to defend yourself. And then, well, you're going to get attacked. And how about, you know, also damage to, to your equipment, right? I mean. Oh, I wouldn't I, take my own equipment. It would have to be the company's. Okay. No way in hell I'd drive right. my own truck. Right. I was, um, so one thing Clay Martin uh, wrote about in um, Concrete Jungle. And and um, so he, he was writing that he no longer will share his affiliations. Like he won't put a bumper sticker on that says anything on his truck because you said basically like you have no idea who's going to be um, take offense to that. And not only like the, they would be offended, but then they would come up and, you know, smash your window out because of what your bumper sticker says. 
whether it be political affiliation or whether it be sports team or anything like that. He's like, you know, um, he's he's really protecting announcing his affiliations where, you know, we kind of used to to do that. Like we used to see people come down um, with bumper stickers or, you know, things um, like like I was I was reading a few articles or to, you know, subtly telling people don't put these things on the back of your of your car like you know it's a two adults and like three kids and two dogs or whatever because then they know like that's a that's a family so i've heard that before extort you to uh you know to i don't know give money or well i mean we've seen all kinds of stuff like we've seen people pulled over i i haven't seen it but i mean i've had member checks and and we've seen it on the news but people pulled over and and they've been yeah extorted for money areas have been yeah blocked off and um the real so, question is yeah. How did we get to this point? Like, yeah, tell me your. Where was the dividing factor? Like, how in the shit did this happen? I mean, just just pretend you go back in time for a second, and you have to tell yourself what's about to happen. You live in the month of January. Right. Like, how would you even explain that? Like, we got murder hornets. We got lockdown. We got mandatory masks. We got riots. Uh, a major city in your state is literally going to burn down. The stock market's going to crash. Like, you're telling me all this happened because of a lockdown? Like, how? What am I missing? I got to be missing something. Right. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, it's a good thing I, to to point out. I mean, if we were to think back, yeah, and you'd have to wear a mask. That we'd have all these new terms like social distancing, essential worker, flatten the curve. It'd be like, what the hell does that mean? Like, I've never heard this before, and yet, like, yeah, it's all over the place. TV commercials. And shows where people are wearing masks now. Yeah, it's weird to think back in January. I remember when Kobe Bryant died in the helicopter crash. And I'm like, damn it. I thought that was going to be the news of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I'm like, oh, that's that's the black... you know, death mark of, of, uh, 2020 is it, you know, we, we, Kobe's Kobe's gone. And it's like, no, that was just the, the first, uh, you know, domino to fall in all of these crazy things. Um, yeah, because I, I don't, I don't remember January and February even feeling tense. Like we were supposed to go to Disney. We were supposed to go fly out to Disney. I don't know, March 18th or something like that. It's two days before Disney closed. And like, up until like a week before that, I'm still feeling pretty confident. Like, oh yeah, coronavirus is going to impact this. And then all of a sudden, like we're getting closer and the NCAA is suspending their tournament. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. So I got to start making these contingency plans for Disney. I'm like, okay, what if we get down there and we can't fly back? Like, you know, can I rent something or do we have relatives down there that we can take a vehicle from? And, and then of course everything shuts down. But I didn't sense it. I didn't sense it in January and February that all of a sudden everything was just going to flip. <laughs> into this crazy mode that we're in right now. And I, I don't, and I, I think again, two months from now, you know, election night, I can't imagine. Um, and I, and I'll, I'll be honest, like I've been, been telling people, you know, relatives, things like this. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Capitol, like in Madison burns, I wouldn't be surprised or, you know, Bascom Hill where, you know, the university of Madison is and some of that stuff. I said, it just, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't shock me at all because I, I think we've, we've seen, you know, enough already with the riots uh, and, and those, who would have thought Kenosha? I mean, after um, the first night, you know, 37 arson calls, and then the next night, uh, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse um, and killing two people, you know, it's, it's just absolutely ins- insane how things have escalated as fast hey, as they as they have. 
You don't happen to know off the top of your head what ultimately brought down like the '60s riots and stuff like that. Like what made it go away? Do you? Man, do I, 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 I need to study that because this kind of feels a lot like that, and I don't know. Like I just can't think of a single event that was like the linchpin. It seemed like right. it was just a tidal wave. And I wonder if it's going to continue to get worse or if it's going to. Because we're either going to hit a high water mark and then it's going to roll back down and go back to normal or things will totally be rewritten. But I wish I knew off the top of my head would like brought the 60s and 70s riots to an end because then I can start looking for some sort of sign like that. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I, I don't know. I mean, because I, Vietnam, um, the Vietnam War, you know, continued into the 70s. Um God, I, yeah, you know, something, something else right now, and I've shared this before. So um, there's this thing called finite voltage. So basically, and, and you've been, you've been hitting on it. So we haven't been in this, this state of chaos, actual defined chaos, which, um, so normally we have this normalness called like a Taurus, T-U-R-U-S. That's every day is going to be similar. Like that's what January was like. We got up, it's like, okay, today is going to be similar to yesterday. Tomorrow will be similar to today. And now every day we get up, we're like, we're not, not really sure what's happening. I mean, you know, is, is there, is a rioting happening in, in a, you know, different cities? Do we have new mandates? Do we have, you know, um, more things are going to be shut down or schools going to open or every day is like just this, this wild roll of the dice. But once people, once civilians get into 90 days of chaos, they don't handle it well at all. And a lot of them start to have mental collapse, things like this. So they would see this during world war two actually. Um, so yeah, they, they, all these military, all these civilian campaigns that they would do to keep people's morale up. So you saw like scrap drives, you would see things, uh, Matthew. So they would say, like, we're in phase seven now of this campaign in, you know, you know, fighting the Germans or whatever. And it really wasn't any different than phase six. But then people thought, OK, phase seven, we're making progress. So this was all like really orchestrated um, from like civilian morale through the military. We don't see that now. So there's and you talk about freezers. So this is a really good point. There's something called crowd in theory. Crowd in theory means that when people start to buy stuff like freezers um when they start to buy like you know video games toilet things paper like, uh, well, well toilet paper would probably be more like a scarcity thing okay I mean, it could be maybe like a crowded so it's a good point so like if a if a hurricane is going to hit people are going to be like water plywood toilet paper batteries they'll buy that stuff they're not going to probably buy a freezer you know like if a hurricane is hitting or something like that but right now people are buying interior paint is selling out like you can't get enough interior paint puzzles um, like playground equipment. Um, in addition, you know, you, you, you just really thoroughly the ammunition and munition side, but when people start to buy out like the freezers and stuff like that, they're really thinking like, this isn't going to end. Like, I have no idea when this is going to be over where like a hurricane, it's like, okay, you know, like it's going to two weeks, like power will be, you know, restored to my area. The flooding will subside and things like that. But like now nobody has an idea. And I think everybody knows at least through the election, it's going to be really wild. So it's, it's, I call it this crossing the streams and the crossing the streams is this finite voltage. People get to 90 days and then they start to lose it. A lot of people, um, in, in this, you know, chaos, we have the pandemic and now we had civil unrest. So it's like way beyond 90 days. And then this crowd in theory where people start to buy these comfort items. So, um, it's really interesting. So let's, let's say like, you if gave, you're telling 
if you're telling me people are losing faith, that's dangerous. That's what keeps you going. And yeah, it's, makes it's you like, behave and go to work. It's languishing. So um, I, I was talking to, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Agency, agency and purpose. I was talking last night to um, somebody in Palm Springs. Um, and, and we're talking for, for quite a while of this observation, like out in the greater Los Angeles area of just um, kind of languishing, like a, a, a loss of, of wanting to do anything, like people just kind of like giving up out there. And then also, you know, these weird things are happening, like you can't evict anybody. So there isn't much motivation to like, you know, work and pay your rent when other people aren't and they're not being evicted. So you've, you've, you've created this really weird um, society you know, for people where these, these normal incentives to do things just aren't there anymore. Um, but yeah, there was, it was during, um, yeah, it was, you know, a lot of the studies go back to world war two where people again would just, you know, once they got 90 days into, to, uh, war civilians, a, a fair amount, you know, just kind of gave up, um, unless there was this like overlying, like we're in a new phase, or, you know, we, we're, you're going to do this campaign of like everybody plant a garden. That was a big thing. Like they had this big, um, you know, everybody do that. Everybody paint your roof white. Like if you're in, in Germany, because it will reflect sun and we'll save more energy that we can devote toward the war effort, even though it didn't really make any difference. Now, the, the only thing I saw in the U.S. on this was remember when we had these parades, like we're going to have the parades for the healthcare workers. And that was what, maybe end of May. You know, I didn't like, even hear about it. Okay, so so they were having they were having parades and maybe um yeah you know, if if you see it you know over in the chat so they would bring out the the fire trucks and and uh, police car and stuff like that they go through the town and they'd stop like at the hospital and and you know be applauding the the healthcare workers and things like that um and that was actually part of this uh, that that's like a structured phase like that is something to try to get people to believe they're in a different they're they're like closer to normal there it's like a new we're getting you closer to similarity we're going to celebrate this you know every, every everybody's hard work we're going to bring it together and it's really an effort to get people like to not be depressed and not be like just languishing like okay well let's cel celebrate our healthcare heroes and um but i haven't seen anything new since then and it just seems like it's 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 especially i don't between now and the election i just don't see anything that's that's going to kind of break people out of this and what happens here in wisconsin right we're gonna have snow it's gonna be cold we're gonna be inside so you know even like all of these businesses these restaurants where it's like outdoor seating i mean that's all gonna shut down and because you know you're not gonna be outside when it's 10 degrees and snowing and windy but um, so we're clearly not super geniuses we know this right why have they not just removed the pandemic i mean we cannot be the only ones that see this it's got to be stupid obvious to mass like think tanks and shit. I don't get why they're just like, okay, so the fix is clearly worse than the problem. So let's remove the fix. Right. I don't know. I mean, it, then it comes down to, I mean, how much of this uh, becomes political and, and politically mo motivated in different areas. Yeah. I mean, you know, both of those. None of it here. makes sense to me. Um, yeah. Um, it, I, I'm trying to think too. I mean, think about, you know, UW Madison, so you got like you know, 40, 50,000 college students. I mean, what if you go back there and two weeks from now they shut everything down and then you have to like, you know, go remote. So you've already done your, your, you know, rental, you know, property or your dorm and you're like, oh, you're, you're out of here for the semester. Um, I, it is I, it's so unpredictable right now. 
um, which I think is is just and it's 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 unnerving. Like I have nothing to compare this to. the The only thing for people to kind of benchmark this to would be back in 1986, in April of 86, the Chernobyl nuclear accident happened in Russia, and I had uh, um, Nikolai Razvayu on the show a couple months ago. And Nikolai was a, a bicyclist with the uh, Soviet uh, national cycling team. And he, he was in Kiev, uh, 62 miles away, two days later, and he had to, uh, for the uh, race competition, the peace race. And they didn't tell him anything, really. They didn't tell him radiation is coming down, even though he saw, like, there were trucks coming out. They were, like, spraying water, scrubbing the streets down. There were some rumors, like, there's this radiation coming down. But, like, uh, Chernobyl lasted for several months like contaminating poland sweden the radiation was coming out they were afraid the crops would all be ruined like there'd be mass starvation it was actually here so matthew like the newspapers like milwaukee journal duluth you know newspapers around here were covering that in the summer of 86 saying they were detecting radiation in wisconsin so they were like really just you know is this going to affect crops are we not going to have you know whatever you know soybeans um corn uh, whatever it was. So that's probably the most, like uh, the, the best comparison to what's happening right now. Like in, in like, you know, that was in the eighties. This is right now, but I, man, I, I don't know. Like every, my, my parents, um, you know, I talked to them. They can't remember any time that was like this. Um, so like what questions do your, what your kids, like, how do you explain this to them? And, and, you know, like, you know, we, we're not going to certain places or like what are the questions, like, why are they wearing a, a mask or what are this, what are these things? Like, how do you, how do you kind of explain it, rationalize this to your kids? <laughs> going to make me sound bad, but I'm literally like, because they're stupid. So like, how come we can't go in there? I'm like, there's too many stupid people in there. How come they're all wearing masks? Cause they're stupid. I because I don't know how to explain it to him. That's just my daughter actually put a piece of cardboard over her face and ran because when I got kicked out of uh, Coles for not wearing a mask, she had a piece of cardboard. She put it over her face. She's like, "Look, I'm a stupid person. Like it's, I know it's the wrong parenting and I'm doing the wrong thing, but I don't know what else to do." Well, it's really hard to explain this. I mean, it's so abstract. I so. They they shut the parks down here. Yeah, um, I was actually battling with somebody in Adams because I came through town at five in the morning every day, and okay. it must have been a neighbor or something. Even after they lift the fucking sorry, I didn't mean to swear on your show. Oh, no, Even yeah. after they lifted the quarantine, he would still wrap the playground equipment with this like police caution tape. So I pull in there at five in the morning and rip it all down and throw it in the trash can and then go. Because I don't know, I just. Since the beginning of the lockdown, I've never seen anything positive. I'm yes, if I'm not going to argue, you know, whether the COVID was serious or not or worth the lockdown, but you could instantly see the negative side effects on everyone. And I just I'm like, this needs to go away. Yeah. I, I took my, um, I took my youngest daughter out and we were, cause like it was really abstract for her. She's like, why can't my friends come over and, you know, why? Right? So, we drove around and we went to like the parks and, you know, they're all taped off and big. I took pictures of this, you know, too, because I'm writing this book. But and, um, and you, you couldn't go into these. It was really bizarre. Like, it's just weird to see that. And they opened up the basketball courts and you could, they had signs one person per basket. 
it was four baskets and we were there shooting hoops, just the two of us, like <laughs> kind of, you know, spaced out. And, and sure enough, like, you know, um, patrol vehicle pulls up, throws the lights on. Hey, you got to separate out. I'm like, come on, man. I mean, obviously I, I get it. Like I'm a dad. This is my daughter. We're the only two here. Right. You can see that I'm 10 feet apart. I know, but like, do you really, did it have to be that you had to come up to, you know, pull up, put the lights on. So, you know, so my daughter and she's like, what did we do wrong? And then she was like really nervous the rest of the time we we're there. She's so, I mean, that was just like, we couldn't do that again. Cause she's like, I don't, you know, I don't want to go to to jail because we're playing basketball. I mean, she was, it's so weird. Um, yeah. The way, I'm aware. The way... Yeah. I'm aware that kids build off of their parents' emotions. Like if you're watching a scary movie and you react like, Oh, that was scary. They'll be scared of the movie. So that's why I kind of do what I'm doing. Like, Oh, they're just stupid people. Don't worry about them. Or that store's got too many stupid people in it because I don't want her to be nervous or afraid of people because yeah, like I want her to develop anxiety at that age. Like, Oh my God, would you be 20? And be like, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I mean, so we had, we had a, a birthday party um, for her and she had, she had some of her friends over and one of her friends, like just talked nonstop about the coronavirus and like, <laughs> 10 years old and like, she just had, like, eat some cake. <laughs> she's like, this is how it affects us and whatever and whatever. And, and you can just tell like, that's all her parents are talking about because she's, she's just parroting this stuff back. And, th- and this kid was just like, was just ramped up on this. And it's like, hey, you know, just enjoy yourself, you know, have fun, you know, like it's we we had it set up where it was outside and spaced apart, and, you know, sanitizers and stuff like that. But but it was just like, um, what is it going to take for her, this other girl to like kind of come down and not be like for the rest of her life, just, a, um, you know, so uh, freaked out by everything that's happening around her. Uh, I thought that was, it was, re- I, I mean, I really took note of it. I was just like, yeah, no, no, it's, you know, it's good. You know, we, we've, we've got this and, and all of this stuff. And, um, oh man, I, I don't know. Hey, hey, the, um, you, have you been through Iowa? Uh, I, I saw Freedom Inc. post it. Um, you know, farmland's been a, 10 million acres of farmland has been affected by weather this year. And I know they had what the Durancho or Durango or whatever it was that basically it's a land hurricane came through Iowa, just flattened large sections of, of crops. Um, and that, nobody's talking about that. Right. I mean, there's places in Iowa that still don't have power. <laughs> like there's towns that, you know, from this thing to hit like three weeks ago. Um, so are you familiar? Have you seen any of that or, or. Oh, uh, lightly. Now I don't know how much truth is behind it, but I've been told the farmers in the area are just tilling over their fields. Now this was before then, but apparently there's just no market and it would cost them more money to take their stuff to the market and lose money. So they're just running the plow through their fields. Now, a couple of farms I went by and it smells like dope because they're growing hemp for the CBD. So oh, yes, yeah. that's still profitable. But as far as like just normal food, no. Cause I mean, why would you buy fruits and vegetables when you have free food stamps now and you can go get TV dinners and Doritos, but. Right. Yeah. So, and, and what you're talking about too is, I mean, you got, you're right on and this whole agency and, and, and purpose of, you know, why do people, you know, get up in the morning and have a motivation to do what they do, especially when, as, as you said, I mean, it can be Doritos and Mountain Dew and, and there isn't, I guess that incentive built into the the system anymore for people to go, especially when they've been told to go home. Like you're not essential. Not I mean, imagine that. Yeah. I mean, people, People waking up in, in March and, uh, you know, the governor is saying, you know, your business is is not essential. 
like my how the, did it get to that point? How does the government get the right to say who's allowed to work and who's not? How is yeah, how we we not just, I, I mean, the, the small engines place here, like you, you know, you know, the place I'm talking about. Um, they they were shut down. I took a picture of the door, and, and the, the guy at his side he said, You know, the, the governor has determined we're a non essential service, and I'm like. But I mean, the dude is selling chainsaws. He's selling everything else. We have the storms come through. I'm like, he's about as essential as essential gets. I'm like, how the hell is that not essential? And who's making these willy nilly calls on essential? And then, so I mean, like, so so this whole psychology too of like people thinking, oh, like I'm an essential person or I'm not. It's in these businesses. I mean, you got to be really kind of not scared, but to think like, okay, I'm going to go in and I'm going to start this business. And all of a sudden I can be deemed non-essential. I talked to a dude um, with VR um, virtual reality lounge in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, and they got shut down by the city because they were deemed non-essential. And he's like, friggin' damn near wiped this out. Like we're barely making it right now on some takeout and stuff. But he's like, you know, we socially distance. We have these areas which are enclosed in these VR pods and a couple people. And he's like, but you know, how do, how do you how do you take the how do you be a risk taker in business when now the government has shown they can just come in and say you're shut down you're shut down Did you hear what happened in Oshkosh with those people no. like, so there was a vape store uh, what the hell is it called I I vape so um this store right here they make this they were doing curbside delivery and the cops literally showed up and they're like if anybody shows up on this property we'll come in and arrest everyone everyone's getting a fine you will do mail delivery only they, I believe they arrested some girl walking dogs uh, for, anyways, they took it hardcore in Oshkosh, the whole quarantine thing. They were arresting people and just handing out tickets and it got crazy. That, but that is... e each place is different. Like I said, my local law enforcement officer, I called and I was like, we're not shutting down. And he was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm not going into businesses and telling them they can't be open. So each area was a totally different world yep. from the other one. So, so Matthew, you're talking about that. I have a friend um, who lives in um, central Washington, not near Seattle, like more in uh, Cascades. And he said kind of exactly the same thing you said. His uh, sheriff, uh, it's kind of rural area. The sheriff said, listen, yeah, we're not, we're not going to be shutting these things down. You know, we're going to continue as is. I'm not going to, we don't have one to staff to micromanage what's happening here. And, and the second is, you know, we're just not going to do it. So he said, you know, his point was, if you have a sheriff, like if you're kind of rural and you have a sheriff, um, they have a lot of power to, to enforce or not enforce. But once you get into an urban area, once, you know, you're in a, you're in a city of a couple hundred thousand people, it's, it's, I mean, they were having things. Um, I don't know if you remember this in Dane County, they had this for a while. So where Madison is, and they did this in other cities back in like April, they had a website where you could go and report people who are in gatherings of more than 10 people. What? I didn't so even I, hear about I that. Video. I did a video of this. I took a screen. I took, I, I actually uh, made like a 40 second video. I went through it. So basically it would be like, okay, um, th there is, there are more than 10 people, 10 people assembled. So you can take pictures of it and then you can upload the pictures. They had a Google map that you could drag the location over and it would auto automatically populate. And then um, you basically click report. So the thing is, like, what that becomes a public record then, and then like, who judges even if that's real? Like, you could, you could take a photo that was, uh, you know, uh, not current. You could manipulate a photo. Um, you could just be trying to get people in trouble. 
but it's like that's that's what they were did people get fines then did they did they open this stuff up and say oh yeah they had the gathering um you know over at math at matt's house he had a barbecue and i'm counting here okay there's 12 people so we're going to send him a fine for 80 dollars. like this is this is still happening and and um, autos on the cops showed up because because i had talked to him when the lockdown first happened because i went to stock and fuel and they went to reduced hours, which makes no sense to me. I'm going to rant about that in a second. But anyway, so at AutoZone, I went in there to try to get the drill bits I was looking for. And I was talking to them. And I, yeah, the cop showed up here. Obviously, it was somebody in the line waiting to get parts. So they were just as guilty as everyone else. But they were like, you know, you got to keep six feet apart. And they threatened them with shutdown or tickets. But anyway, so what really irritated me is so these businesses, we're trying to be social distancing, right? They shut down all the local businesses in all the small towns because nothing's essential unless you're at Walmart scale. Right. So everybody's now got to travel into these bigger towns and then they run corrals. They shut down all the different exits. So you have to go through one exit. So we're all touching each other. We're all walking by each other. We're right. all crowded into this big building and right. then they reduce the hours. So you have a limited, you can't go there at three in the morning when no one's there anymore to buy something. Yep. You got to go there between the hours of this and this. It, it truly feels like they were trying to make this thing a thing much worse. If that I, makes any sense. As, yeah, when I saw it to my friend in uh, Palm Springs, yeah, she said just last night, she's like, I went to the store like, you know, a week ago to get whatever, and it was closed. Like they changed their hours. So they closed like at four and they used to close like at eight. And then during the first, you know, shutdown, they closed like at six. And she's like, I don't even know when hell they're open anymore. Like you go to Google, you're like, is it open or closed? Like these, it, it doesn't even make sense. You can't even match these things up. I'm really disappointed the Taco Bell menu changed. So like we don't have the steak, uh, the steak burrito anymore. Damn it. Right. Makes me sad, but McDonald's went all crazy too with their menu. Like how is the one <laughs> food more COVID affected than another food? Like did all the chicken sandwiches get COVID-19 or it makes no sense to me. Like yeah, why? Bad. I was, yeah, I was like, I saw that. I'm like, no, please don't have this happen. But yeah, just as, just as you said, and you're right, you're right on. I mean, you have great observation. Like you're saying, you know, people, so when you do the big box stores, you're, you're, you're funneling people into one entrance and one exit. So they're, they're touching everything that's there. Right. <laughs> and they, they're being close to each other. And, um, Here's another thing I observed, right? So the post, the postal carrier, you know, they're still like just bare handing stuff. They're coming up, opening up the mailbox, putting your mail in, taking it out. And they're like going house to house to house to house to house. They're like, there's no gloves. There's no like UV light. So I'm kind of like, okay, like, so that's government. Like, why wouldn't if there, why isn't there an order like in April that everybody who delivers mail has to, yeah, have some protective measure so they're not contaminating from one else to another if the virus can be transmitted you know via contact of hard services i mean it was just baffling and, and I, we have people in our neighborhood who are home quarantined because they attested positive for covid and they were further up the road than we were so like the post carrier would stop there and then a minute later it'd be at our house i'd be like what the hell like this it just seemed really weird i'm watching this and like okay we we have to wear a mask at walmart but yet you just went to a, a house and and then you've gone to my house you've touched the mail and the mail's all intermingling in the mail cart there and um and they actually just dropped the hammer on all that too what's even weirder though than like what's going on with the post office so you go to this little drive-through testing thing 
and you test positive, and yet you can drive away and go home. <laughs> so what's the point of even getting tested? Like, You're right on, man. You're right on. Yeah, it, right. That, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, if it was really that big, like, that big of a threat, like, we should shut down the country, we should, the nothing matters, but, you know, stopping this thing, oh, you're positive, you know, go home, have some soup. Like, no, they should be like, 2319, tackle them, and this and that. Wouldn't that, I mean, you're exactly right. Wouldn't this logical thing be like, if you did test positive, they would take you off in another area and there'd be like a quarantine thing set up at like Alliant Energy Center. Like but in it, New York with the whole, uh, what the hell is that lady called again? She was positive for like tuberculosis or something like that. And she worked at a restaurant. And so they actually had a quarantine island. Because she was just killing people. It was like Lady of Death or something like that. It happened way back when. But yeah, they just sent everybody over to that island and sent her over there because what else can you do? You can't have them travel around. You can't leave them in their house to die. So they got their own little community. They can sort it off there. Yeah, it was it was so weird. I know I was I was looking um yesterday because I'm like, when did the when did the USS Comfort leave? What the hell was it? Uh, New York. Remember it was this um, you know, the Navy ship um, that was there to be the portable hospital. And it, it ended up, it left April 30th. Like it served about 200 people and that was it. <laughs> and they're gone. And I'm thinking, well, what the hell? Like, so New York is getting overrun allegedly. And I have friends in New York. So I was checking with them on you know, almost a daily basis, friends in the Bronx and stuff like that. And and I'm like, what are you seeing? And what are you hearing? And, and um, especially when the, the USS Comfort pulls out and it's gone, I'm like, well, that's weird. Like if this was really, you know, ramping up to the level the media is, you know, saying, wouldn't that be there for like months? Wouldn't that? Yeah. And, and yet like, so, the, so all these conflicting signs, right? We're seeing this. I'm like, well, why is that gone? Um, and I, man, I don't know. I am, uh, that's the thing, like so many different, different messages of, of what we're, what we're perceiving. Um, yeah. Tell me, tell me like more, I, I do you have people coming into your store and like, they're really f freaked up and over, you know, they're masked up and they're not touching anything or like, what do you, what are you starting to see from some people? One guy? Yes. I actually thought he was casing the store out. Cause like he okay. didn't touch the door handles. He... The only thing that was showing was his eyes. I'm like, Oh my God, am I going to have to throw down on this guy? Like I was literally petting my pistol. But I thought for sure, like, he was about to rob the place or he was casing out. Other than that, when people come in, they're like, hey, do I need a mask? I'm like, look, I don't have the authority nor the desire to tell you how to live your life. You do what feels right for you. And that pretty much smooths things over. So then if they're pro-mask, they're wearing their mask. If they're not pro-mask, they're not wearing their mask. And I, I think it just sends the message like, hey, you know, that's your life, which is a subliminal message. If somebody's doing what you don't agree with, shut the hell up. Like, don't talk to my right. other customers if you don't agree with them or try to convince them right. to do something. Cause as far as it's concerned, I mean, there's a little bit of science one way or the other, but for the most part, the mass are a belief system. So that would be like me forcing you to wear a crucifix because I believe God will save us all. And if we just all wore crucifix, God would be happy. And then, <laughs> and then this would go away. Yes. It's mostly for yeah, Joe. It'd be just like, you know, you forcing everybody to wear one of those because you believe it'll seriously make a difference. And that's how I see the mass. It's a belief system. Now, what I believe, that's where I actually draw the line when you try to force your beliefs on other people. Yeah. 
that's just where it's always been. You don't because everybody's their own thing. And if you try to force them in, yes, they might agree with you, but they still don't believe it. So it was a useless thing anyway. I'm kind of ranting off, but you get what I'm saying. Like it's, yeah, I do. Yeah. It, it, in part with, and also with the mask, right? Like, I mean, people are making masks, but yet they're saying, and so, so N95 is one thing, right? It, it actually has a, you know, filtration level and all of that, but then people are yes. just making a mask out of a sheet and, and whatever. And, you know, so there's so much um, lack of consistency between masks, like these homemade ones. I mean, I've seen people crochet oh God, yeah. masks. So it's like, is that even effective? And then people who do like many layers, well, I mean, there, there are numerous studies and I cited some of them in, in uh, some previous work of saying, for example, motorcyclists, right? Um, when they're designing motors and closed helmets, they really have to be careful about the airflow that then a uh, uh, motorcyclist isn't taking in too much carbon dioxide, you know, air they're breathing out that they're sucking it back in because then they can start to lose coordination and stuff. So it's a big problem. So, I mean, what if, so you have, you have all of these people on TV, like making masks or like, you know, sew this together and sew this. I'm like, I'm not even sure like that's safe, right? Like, can you even breathe through that? Are you getting enough oxygen? So it's in, in like people donating masks to hospital that they just make at home. Well, like what environment? Even, in? <laughs> I don't know. If, if, do you have COVID and you're making these because you're home in 14? I mean, no one knows. Well, it's even deeper than that because this isn't the first time we've had a mask quarantine thing, a mandatory mask. This actually happened in the 1800s with the Spanish flu. Now, they argue that the reason there was absolutely no difference like there was no tangible difference at all between a place that was mandatory mask between a place that it didn't matter was, Oh, our, our materials weren't that good back then. But then they're like, okay, so we don't really care what kind of mask you wear as long as it's something. Then it's like saying, so, okay, they were using crappy materials. Then why does it even matter if I wrap my face in a scarf? Like, why should I have to do that when it's already proven for a fact that it's not going to make a difference? But then you can wear the N95, which does protect you for, I mean, you can still get in through your eyes and stuff, but right. for the most part, you do get a level of protection. But now you have exhaust vents, which channel everything that you're breathing out into a specific location. So it might protect you a little bit, but it makes it exponentially more dangerous for everyone around you. But now the whole point of wearing the mask is so you're supposed to cover your face to stop from coughing on people so you're not protecting yourself because it doesn't stop anything coming in. But it's supposed to protect other people. But then you got the N95 masks that do the exact opposite. So what are we fighting for here? Can we come to a consensus? Like it just yeah yeah no you're right on. There's there's no inter-rater reliability on it. Like all of this is so different, and we also don't see like the media saying like this comparing this mask to this mask to this mask. We see like stupid little things like they'll take a spray bottle and say when you sneeze, here's what it looks like when it goes on. I'm like I don't know if it really looks like that or maybe, but like. Again, as you said, I mean, this stuff is is so weird from uh, that people are creating and the masks, you know, the different purposes that the masks have, um, and, and no one is really talking about it. So I, I want to skip over and, and get some of the questions. So we had one um, from uh, Freedom Inc., and it was also from um, our good friend here, Elephant Armpit, and, and this is a good one. So anybody else uh, guilty about checking out produce and then putting it back? If it's crap, <laughs> I look around and I'm about to, I feel like I'm about to commit a crime. And like, I feel that way. Like I, I was shopping today. Right. And like, if I touch something and I'm, I'm checking and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get this. And I put it back on the shelf. I'm like, well, that's, you know, like I shouldn't be doing that. Like I should just take it, 
or who else touched it? And now like, do I have to like send it? You know, all these weird th people around you are like, what you, you just put that back. You put that can of soup back. I'm like, yeah. I mean, it, people are it, it's creating this really weird paranoia. And today I actually saw it. Like a couple people were kind of like talking to each other, you know, about like, Hey, like, if you, Hey, don't, if you're, if you're going through like the rice aroni, like, you know, pick what you want and move on. I mean, not to me, like they're kind of, but I was like, Holy smokes. Like people are really like into this narrative. Um, well, so yeah, how do you, how do you, I mean, how do you do fruit? Think about this. Like, yeah, right at Walmart, the whole section with fruit, avocados and lemons, you can only check a good lemon by squeezing it. It's like, well, well what the hell? <laughs> well, like I said, I'm projecting confidence and stuff in front of my kids. So I go through there like nothing's like wrong. That. If somebody even gives me a dirty look, I just stare them down. Like, don't fucking talk to me. It's I'm straight up business and I had, cause I can't have them develop that kind of paranoia at this age. Cause it's only going to escalate from there and it's going to build. And they're going to have problems. I walk in, I do all my normal shopping. I like Coles. I lost my shit a little bit hard in front of my children, which is shut the dead, but I no, I'm not, I will not comply now at my job because one of my friends just became like the head person there and some crap had rolled downhill, so he doesn't have a choice. Like, I messaged him before. He told me, I'm like, look, dude, I'll put on a mask in front of here because you're my friend. And I don't want you to go under the bus for me, for my beliefs, even though I'm, might as well pray to Ebert as the new Jesus because I have to take on his beliefs. But I, I do at that place now because he's my friend and I respect him like that. I messaged yeah. him right away. I'm like, don't worry, you're not going to have a problem with me. I'm going to put it on right away. Yes, the old person, I told him to go kick sand, but you know, you're a different story. But uh, other than that, like, I won't change anything. I go into Walmart, do my normal shopping. I need to make it as regular as possible so they're not afraid to leave the house when like a couple yeah. years down the road. I, I think that's so important that you said that because yeah, all of, I mean, the kids are looking up to us. It's called transference dynamic. Um, and so here's, here's an interesting uh, piece on that. So I wrote about it in school of errors and after nine 11, um, the twin towers attack, I, I worked with uh, the department of planning in New York city uh, to try to, you know, figure out the psychology of the people who were rescued from lower Manhattan. There were 500,000 people rescued in nine hours by boats. It was like a really smooth, uh, efficient rescue system that developed like tugboats and all of this stuff. But here's the deal. They reverse, we reverse engineered that we we're looking at what happened to these people when they're growing up? Like, what did they experience? And they were all like, um, you know, they were, they were growing up in the early eighties. And that's when we thought Russia was going to attack us that we we're going to have in 1983. There was a movie, um, the day 90 after seconds, uh, whatever. Was yeah. What they, was afraid so, of. so they had, they had all of that. Yeah. So in Rocky four, remember Russia, uh, Rocky versus Drago, like that came out. So everybody that most of the people, the majority of people who participated in this rescue grew up during the cold war. And they thought if anything happened, we were attacked, there'd be this rescue force that would manifest and get them off an Island or, or rescue them. So that's kind of how that worked. So as you said, right now, how you portray yourself, how you present in, in front of your kids that's how they're going to react when stressful things hit them down the road. Like they're, yes. they're not, they're not going to be rattled by it. They're going to logically process it because you're right, right, right on Matthew. This is good advice for anybody out there. Like um, don't, you know, project fear 
in front of your your kids. You can explain things later or like if it's just something that is too complicated for them to even like try to grasp like this yeah, geopolitical just like people <laughs> just move, move it on. But I, but I think you hit a really good point here that I, I haven't talked about and I haven't really been thinking about, but, um, but yeah, don't, don't project fear and bring your anxieties. Um, don't expose your, your, your kids to that because that's, that is going to affect them like forever. I mean, as they get in their twenties and, and something stressful happens or thirties or whatever, um, it's, well, and this it's, is a, a fear of an invisible boogeyman, which is pretty irrational. So now we've developed that, yes, this invisible boogeyman needs to be feared. What about a real threat? What about like their cars, brakes go out or something like that? So they're this afraid of this invisible boogeyman who they can't see. It's never affected their life in any way, shape or form. They see you're terrified of it. So, okay, that, that's my fear level for something I can't see. Now, okay, this bridge is coming and my brakes went out, so I close my eyes and let go of the steering wheel. Yeah. A total lockup, freeze in position. Yeah. No, 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 you're you're right on. Yeah. Something happens that takes you out of that similarity, right? Um it, that happens, or you're about to you're in a car accident or something like that. Instead of like assessing yourself, like, am I okay? Can I get out of here? You know, turn the turn the vehicle off if it's still running. Like those things to keep yourself safe, you just like freeze you just overload and it's you're, you're just overcome with fear and i mean it can cost you your life right i mean you could die um so yeah it, it's those type of things that are so important right now because i mean and what are we teaching i mean we're te we're just conveying to people to be afraid <laughs> i mean we're just telling people to just be be very fearful and especially to kids i mean somebody had it in the chat before like you know the all the videos uh, and, and the news about, you know, when they take the zip ties and they would tie up the basketball hoops or then they would like remove the basketball hoops so people couldn't, you know, go out and shoot hoops. But did that even make sense? Like no. it's outdoors and you, you're exercising and we know that exercise does so much for immune systems, right? And, and, and you know, young people, like it just, it, it's like, so what was the science behind that? I mean, well, it was, and I'm, oh man. I'm not a microbiologist, but I was told from a source I consider very likely that it is still big enough of a particle to where it gets on the lower side of the UV rays and it's literally bleached out of existence as soon as it's exposed to sun. And even if it was cloudy out, being in open air, it would dilute it to a point to where it wouldn't really matter. So like outside yeah. activity should not be restricted in any way, shape or form. Isn't it? And isn't it weird? Like that, that, I mean, people aren't talking about that. Like when this all in March, what did, what did we hear? Ventilators. We don't have enough ventilators. We need more ventilators and things like that. <laughs> and then like it, by the time end of April hit, like that wasn't anywhere in the news. Like that wasn't being covered at all, but things From like what I understand the ventilators were killing people. That's what I, that's, that's yeah, that was, that was the information I was getting too, is, is that wasn't the way to go. Um, but, uh, we never heard stuff like here's what you can do to make yourself increase your immune system, like exercise, you know, getting out, getting sunlight, vitamin D, whatever. Um, here's, here's things you can do with your diet, things you can eat that make you, you know, nutrition, make you healthier, stuff like that. We, we didn't hear any of that stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's weird because yeah, you, you talk about these high contact areas. Like every time we go somewhere, I'm like the person that has to open the door and then my wife and kids rush in and I open the next door because you're touching that. 
And, you know, there's no one running over to sanitize it. And it's just, but it's like, it's an outside door. The sun is hitting it. Playgrounds, right? The sun is hitting it all the time. And it's well, like, I, how, oh man. I do that too, but I disguised it. So what I do is I told my girl, I'm like, a real man should open the door for the women. And that's how I hide the whole fact that I'm opening the door. Yeah. Oh man. Because I... <laughs> I cannot let them be afraid of this. That would affect them negatively for life. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're, you're right on. And, and, you know, and these, these topics again, that no one's talking about is, is you said, you know, what happens, you know, things that you think about at night, what happens if you're driving somewhere and suddenly, yeah, I mean, things get shut down, um, you know, because of a, of a, of a protest, you know, what are your options to respond? Um, but it, this is, I mean, that's really good to like think about that and think about your options. But then, as you said, making sure that your kids, um, you're not, you're not projecting fear, um, you know, to your, to your kids, because I, I don't know, man, I think, I think a lot of people are like, I think a lot of people are trying to educate their kids and I'm like, yeah, it gets too complex, right? It, it, it I don't want to freak freak them out. When I took my, when I took my youngest daughter out, because this wasn't making sense to her, like her friend's like why is school shut down and all of this stuff. And we actually went to these places and then I would say like, well, look, like this is still, you know, this is still up and this is still up and this is still up and this is what we can do. And, and yeah, this is what the park is and, and whatever. So it was observing. So she could say like, I observed this. It was real to her. Um, so I thought, you know, that was, that was okay. And any questions she had and, and, um, but it was, yeah, like we actually visited the hospital here. Like we just drove in the parking lot because I just had a proof. Like it's not all overwhelmed with cars like it is on the news. You know, the Madison news just went over the top on that stuff. I lucked um, out and I had a stepsister in the healthcare, and she was pro. We need to shut this down. This is going to kill us all. We need to hide. And I just started asking her questions. I'm like, how many patients do you got? Like, What's going on? Are you wall to wall? Even though she was way pro, we need to act and act now. She's like, no, I'm actually getting laid off because there's nothing for me to do. I'm like, so why? Like, if you just apply their basic math to what they said the projections are going to be, even if we do shut down to the population of your particular area, you should have a minimal of this many people dead already and a minimal of this many people inside your hospital. And she's like, well, yeah. it we, we, how did she word it? We missed the curve or we escaped the curve or she basically said this area is a special exception, right? but it's like that everywhere else because we did so awesome in this area. And I'm like, so you're telling me that what I'm hearing on the news has absolutely no basis in reality. And then she just freaked out and lost it. No, you gotta wear your mask. And I'm like, okay, bye. But yeah, it's, immediately like conflicting information. I'm just like, okay, so I'm just going to pay attention to what I see with my own eyes yeah. because I can't trust anything coming in. Well, I had, I, so I had a friend, uh, Chuck Mack. So he was on the show and, um, he's the head of, or I don't know if he's the head of it, but he works, um, in, uh, the it with university of Pittsburgh medical. So he was sharing this information back in like April. So immediately when, you know, things are shutting down in mid-March, he was told we have to scale up the hospital for like more, you know, computer network connections and things like this, because we're expecting to have like a lot of patients. And then I kept checking with him, like, how's it going? How's it going? He's like, 
well, we, we, we like scaled up. We have like a lot of beds ready, but we don't have more patients. And I'm like, okay, okay. Like, let me know if things change because like you're out in Pittsburgh. So like, if it's starting to get hot where you're at, like I can kind of expect it here and maybe I can, you know, it's going to impact my thinking a little bit about, I'm going to try to buy more supplies or whatever. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. But then it never happened. Like they had all these beds and they never had this rush. But what he said is they went up tenfold in telemedicine. So he's like, I had to get iPads. I had to get Chromebooks, tablets, all of that. And I had to train doctors and nurses and stuff and like get them out to people, like send them to people, patients. And, and he said, our telehealth went up tenfold and it hasn't come back down. So that was interesting because I'm like, okay, telehealth went up. But the other part too is, you know, he said, we just, we never had this, this rush of patients. So, um, that was, so when I'm asking people, I would, I would always say like, what do you observe? What's happening? What is happening outside? What, you know, what did you see when you were out today? Uh, one of my friends, uh, Brian Bowden. So Brian, uh, is a cryptozoologist. Uh, he was on the travel channel the other night. I took a picture of him. <laughs> well, he was on, I sent it to him, but, uh, so Brian lives in the Bronx and he would go out every, every day and kind of figure out what was going on, take like a three minute video. And one and everything was like shut down. And one day he went out in April and there were some dudes out with leaf blowers, like, you know, from some company and they're, they're, you know, cleaning up and no one was going over saying, Hey, like you, you can't do that. Like, you know, you're, you're not essential workers and everybody's got to be inside. So he's like, Oh, that was like a moment. He just realized like things are starting to ease up. Like in New York, like people are starting to kind of get back to this normal stuff when he actually saw the dudes out who are doing the leaf blowing for some company and no one was like coming up to him saying like, you can't be out here. And they would have done that. Like, you know, early on, like if anybody was outside doing stuff like that, they'd be like, absolutely not. Like we're going to report you. And, um, but yeah, he's, he said it was really, really weird, you know, <laughs> and, and you walk down the, the road and like people would just go on the other side of the road. No one wanted to talk to you. Everybody has their head down. They don't want to start any conversation. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be smart or to know anything that other people don't know, but I looked at the news production projections. I took the percentage. It was what? 10% if we don't quarantine and 5% if we do I'm like, okay, how many friends do I have? What percentage of that? I'm like, I should know at least two people that have been buried minimal. It's right. the only way their percentages make sense. So then I started digging into more and I'm like, okay, so none of this at all makes sense. I was expecting to see like, Somebody running out of the hospital, the hospital gown, like puking on the ground and then just dying right there. And like people in the parking lot with black plastic over them. And it's right. I yeah. Mean, and what you're saying, yeah, the whole thing of face validity and, and what we observe. Um, and, and yeah, that wasn't happening. And, and again, you know, when I, when I saw on April 30th, the USS comfort leaving New York, I was like, wow, like <laughs> it, if it's really to the level of what they're saying and they're going to have this, this, you know, overwhelming number of, of patients and stuff, why is the comfort leaving? Like what, wh this isn't, you know, these pieces aren't making, they're not coming together. This isn't making sense. Um, well, at first, uh, no joke. I was scared because the percentages they were saying, I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like yeah. the panic that's going to come from that is just ridiculous. But then it, started checking what I could see in front of my face because nothing yep. made sense and it didn't pan out. If yeah. we would have hit that level, like that would have been bad. Cause what was it? 10%. Yeah. It was something, it was something like that. So, so, so one in right. 10 people, you know, you would have buried it. Right. That yeah. would have been what I consider level one pandemic. Like things would have changed indefinitely forever. 
I, yeah, I remember the first couple of press conferences. Um, and, and, uh, you, you know, when, when, uh, president Trump was on and, and, you know, the advisors around him, like all of the manufacturers, like, you know, we're going to ramp up this ramp up that. I'm like, Holy Christ. Like this is, this, I've never experienced this before. Um, I remember like when the Gulf war kicked off, I think it was 90 or 91, um, watching like the breaking stuff on the news like that night. And it kind of felt like that, like something <laughs> significant was, yeah. Like the, yeah, what was happening in Baghdad, it kind of, it, it kind of had that feeling of, Ooh, like something is, is really going to change like the way that we live and stuff. But um, no, man, this, ex- you're right. It definitely changed, but I didn't expect it to change like this. This like the domino effect of how things went along. It, you can't even, how, how do you, I still can't figure out where the breaking point was. Now you were saying something about 90 days or whatever. I wonder yeah. if it's a little bit shorter and complete isolation and, we just hit that and then snap. Or if a bunch of people were like, hey, these riots are a profitable opportunity. So more people showed up trying to get a free flat screen. I don't, I don't understand how it could have possibly escalated to this level over, what is it, 0.0001% population gets sick. And then when you find out that only 6% of it was hardcore for sure you know the coronavirus this other 94 percent could have died of actually the overdose or the heart attack or whatever but they just so happen to have coronaviruses we're talking about multiple zeros after a point and then a one and this kind of pandemic came from it it totally changes my way of thinking about yeah how yeah. things can break down like i need to start looking at much smaller levels so i was thinking like 10% level one, like 25% level two, and then so on and so forth. Like these are the changes I should expect to see. And now we're talking about 0.000001. And these are the changes we get. I need to reevaluate everything I had in mind for planning. And my planning itself too, just wasn't up to this level because I was expecting like casualties, like everything happening like that. Instead of yeah. this slow corrosion of resources yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Same here. I mean, I think um, someone described it and they said, like, it's not as bad as is what, you know, people are talking about, like in the middle of, of March, where I think, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I'm a, are, are we going to end up with like, you know, burial pits outside of, of cities and stuff like that? But I would have never thought we'd be where we're at today, you know, where people are saying, you know, like places are like, we don't, you have to have exact payment we don't have coins i'm like you don't have coins what the hell is that about I, you know my my friend out in los angeles uh, was was saying like you know to try to get coins for laundry mats is almost insane i mean so who the hell would have thought we're sitting here and and basically you're forced into this like you know credit card only transaction stuff going on <laughs> that you, you can't unless you can pay with like exact change or and i i mean yeah, who would have thought that? You know, in January, if they go back to you and they're like, "Yeah, like change, like you're only going to be paying by credit card at this store, this store, this store, this store," I'm like, "That's freaking nuts." Um, well, and even if there is no like conspiracy behind it or anything like that, that's just fuel on the fire. I mean, there's the level of distrust in the government is growing exponentially. I I don't know where that's going to go. I mean, are we going to be looking at like I don't know. Uh, who's someone popular? I don't know, just like popular people becoming president because yeah, 
Like, well, it could happen. What? Because what? Jesse Ventura was. Um, he became governor of Minnesota, and um, I was thinking uh, more Arnold like Schwarzenegger of, of California, and, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. If you had a, if you had a, yeah, it, it could very well be like that. We get you know out and and it just becomes a celebrity contest for these big political positions and and just stuff like that. Point. I was president. Yep. Subscribe. <laughs> get my merch. <laughs> oh man so so as we kind of like you know get to to our wrap up here how have you changed your um i guess maybe uh survival prepper mentality are you like personally stocking more things are you learning new skills i mean you're you're already like a, a, a you know a guy that's that's got a good sense of what's going on and 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 uh you know being prepared for stuff but like what are some things that you're saying you know, I'm looking at the supply chain. Maybe we're not going to have this. So I'm, st- I'm stocking up on some of this stuff or, you know, um, well, do you have people you have to worry about? Additional people like, you know, parents, relatives that you've got to kind of look out for them a little bit because they're not able to do that themselves. Um, no, because okay. I got my own family now. Okay. So I need to take care of my family. That It's sad, but, you know, this is what's got to happen. But uh, diversify your calibers. I would have never guessed that was a thing before. Like before, I always push, you know, you should standardize. This way you can stockpile 9mm yeah. and 223, yeah. which still makes sense. It does. It really does. And most people have that, and that would be the ammunition you'd most likely to be to find. But you need to diversify your calibers because now everything is sold out. So you just never know what you're going to find. Okay, so I can have mass quantities of food that doesn't expire and I make a profit off of it. I'm still putting this scheme together. Uh, I needed a little bit more work, but so I'll just have a rotating thing. And basically I'm going to sell MREs. And so that's, how I'm going to handle that. So I'll have one pallet coming in as the other pallet sells off. So it's never expiring. It's just rotating and it pays for itself. And I make a profit off of it. Problem is that when I've been looking into this, a lot of the MRE companies, they have it on lockdown. If I wanted to sell them on Amazon or something, they have it restricted. So only they can. So I'd have to look at some other sources because with just in time manufacturing, there's no such thing as storage warehouses, right? The distributors sell to their distributors and we're the storage places. So I know there's a market for it. So I'm going to figure out how to get my foot in the market. And then, so I'll always have a couple pallets of MREs as I'm selling them off. And so that'll handle that. Other than that, wood stove. (laughs) Yeah, I eat, I eat with wood. So um, I've been I've been loading up um, on firewood. I had the tree fall on my house, so that added to You're like Yahtzee. <laughs> I'm looking at that, staring that thing down. I'm like, you've just become firewood. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that's a benefit. Uh, heating the house um, with wood, and and we we. I never did this ever. I we have um, a, a pantry now on the other side of the wall in front of me. Uh, which is a furnace room. Um, so yeah, you know, we, we've, we've stocked out for at least a few weeks, if not more. Um, and then, you know, just keeping things kind of low, low key also like stuff we keep in the yard and just stuff like, you know, making a house that's pretty not noticeable from, from the street. And well, um, we haven't felt the snap yet either. Right now there's still benefits and stuff flowing out that can't continue indefinitely. It's right. just not possible. 
At some point, that's going to get shut off. And then we're going to have a competition for just your basic jobs. You got to remember the stock market already fell more than it did in the Great Depression. We could be yep. looking at something very serious. So more long-term self-sufficient things like get what you can now, like wood stoves, uh, 22 ammo, because you can get a lot and cheap. And because you can hunt with that. Right. My grandpa killed deer a lot with 22 ammo. And right. If you're in the bigger cities, I don't know what to tell you, man. I seriously don't. Like, I have no pl- I've I've sat down and lost hours of sleep trying to strategize if I because it would be an awesome video. If I lived in a bigger city, how would I insulate myself? It, I roll snake eyes every time. Like I'll start to put together a strategy and I'll be like, duh. Roll snake eyes. Uh okay, this strategy. Nope, that ain't gonna work. I just don't know. Um, I kind of got an advantage because I'm in a smaller town, but yeah, in a bigger city, I don't know. I have right. no idea. And it could end right now. If they start riding your cities, those trucks ain't going there. No. How much would it cost? How much would it cost you to run there? How much would they have to pay you to drive a truck? And that's just one truck. That's what, a couple right. hours worth of food when you're talking about city-sized population? You need constant truck delivery. No, so no, I you're I don't know. You're right on. I mean, yeah, who, who's going to supply, yeah, these areas? And then, um, you know, also the mass transit stuff, right? <laughs> so it's big cities. They they sold this whole thing of like, you don't need a car because we're going to have the best, you know, bus and, and uh, mass transit, you know, rail system and stuff like that. Well, now, like, oh, that's a Right. I, I mean, and if you have your car, you know, out, um, it's a, it's a liability, right? Because, you know, people can, can, you know, break into it. It can get burned up during a riot. I mean, um, and in mass transit, even, you know, down in Madison for quite a while, they were limiting like, you know, four people on a bus. <laughs> Some people are like, this is the only way I get around. Like I have no vehicle and now like the bus is full. So I got to wait for another bus and wait for another bus. And you're like, oh my God, like I'm totally screwed because I committed to this big city and how do I get out of here? And I, yeah, I have a couple friends, um, in LA who left and just said, yeah, the it's, it's not worth, you know, staying here because mass transit is is you know just been upended well, with this. If, Supplies aren't coming in. Stores, shelves are empty. Well, imagine if they started evacuating. Like, yes, the first couple of people that would arrive in these smaller towns would get generosity, but that many people they would literally move through areas like a locust, just consuming resources. Yeah, they, they would stop getting generosity. Like, it wouldn't take long at all, and they'd be like, no, nobody's coming in here. And then that would isolate that town and it would just spread. And oh my God, that'd be so horrible. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think about these things too. I had a friend uh, like two years ago who built a cabin, maybe like a kind of between Ashland and Superior. So, you know, really rural up on, on Lake Superior. And at the time, you know, I was kind of like, Man, I don't know. It, it probably wouldn't be for me, but he's like, I just want to be away from things like he and his family and stuff like that. And and now I'm like, that's probably like a really good deal for you. <laughs> <laughs> is that thing up for sale or what? <laughs> there's, there's nobody going, especially in winter, like no one is going to like, you know, in mass, a uh, yeah, caravan of like, you know, a hundred people are, are going to try to find where you're at. But, um, oh man, no, I'm, I, I think that, yeah, the, the big cities, um, what becomes the big cities. And then as the universities start to, to die, um, you know, Google just came out with three new certifications that, uh, you can pick up, you can be like a high school senior and spend like a year 
and, and different IT things. And, this, and the wages are 80,000 bucks for each, like one of these areas. Well, like who's going to go to, you know, college when you have all these things, like maybe the campus shuts down, maybe you get quarantined, you know, like they can, if I'm sending my kid off to college, I mean, they could quarantine her. Like they could test her and say, and oh, you have to stay in the about it. Weeks. Or they could say, hey, if you go home at Thanksgiving with your family, then you have to quarantine when you get back for two weeks. Like they, they can do all these wonky rules that you have no power over. Or they'll just say, okay, you can't come back to class and we're not refunding your tuition. And I mean, these, you know, like Camp Randall, no games, Green Bay Packers, no games. I mean, these places are just going to have this weird economic shift of, of, the, the, these economies will change significantly. I mean, like we're, we're kind of your, well, I mean, you're not close to it, but like, so Wisconsin Rapids is up the road from you. And that's where like my, my dad grew up and they had the paper mill, a thousand jobs at the paper mill had been there, you know, a hundred years and the mill shut down, you know, what a month ago. And like, those are good paying jobs. Like everybody else in the area had to benchmark to that. So they could get employers. Like they had at least try to pay what, what the mill was paying. And now it's like, oh my God, you see like a thousand jobs out of there. Um, so yeah, you just, you just have these, these weird economic things happening too. So really fragile systems for people. But I like how you're, you're saying, take care of what's in front of you, project strength to your kids. You know, it, it's, so tell me, tell me something else that, that in your, in your store, like maybe weird stuff that's either like selling or people that try to sell you stuff, try do did people come in in March when like the everybody was being laid off? It was before the stimulus checks. And did they try to like get sell you stuff? They'd be like, hey, here's the deal. Matt, this is a authentic signed race dance, Ghostbusters, Ectomobile. Um, what, what can you give me for it? I need money, man. W was there stuff like that going on? No. Um, one, one guy, uh, like three days before lockdown and everything, tried to... Yeah, was it before lockdown or was it before quarantine? It was right before like the first level of the gun panic started to happen. Tried to sell me an AR-15 and I said no. That was the only place where I'm like, oh, why didn't I buy that? <laughs> like that that was bad. And then so you know after your first wave, the prices jacked up instantly because they came off their super sale prices because they were just trying to move inventory to keep their lights on. Yeah, and keep their business afloat. Well, they jumped up right away. I'm like. Oh, I'll just wait till the prices come back down. <laughs> so I really just took it in the butt. I mean, I if I if I could go back in time, I would be like, yes, go get a loan. You're gonna purchase, you know, probably three million rounds in ammunition and probably like a hundred, hundred fifty thousand AR-15s. Just buy them all. Trust me, trust me, you'll make money off this. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that wow. that kind of sucks, but you know, whatever. I you you can't cry over spilt milk. No, no, man. I, I was looking at, um, I was looking at Facebook marketplace and Craigslist, like in middle of March, right. When everything's shutting down, you know, Disney NCAA, they're telling people, um, you know, hairstylists have to shut down, um, it, you know, doctor's offices, stuff like this, you know, private practice, all is non-essential. We can't have people out. And then, um, one of my friends tipped me off to it. Um, from Washington state. And he said, look at what's happening on Facebook and Craigslist. So I, I brought it up and there were like, thousands of new ads in the Madison area and actually all over, all, all over the country, like different people are bringing stuff up and people are selling stuff to get money, like just anything like, um, 
you know, I'll, I'll sell this laptop and I'll bring it to you like, or best offer. That was another <laughs> thing that was showing up like, um, $200 or best offer. And one of my friends, uh, Nick Shulaner bought, um, like, uh, some new electronics just at a, a discount, big discount price because someone just needed money and they drove it like a couple hours to him. And again, gas was 92 cents a gallon. People forget this too. Like I remember oh, driving, driving through Baraboo and I'm going past the quick trip. I'm like, what gas is 92 cents. I mean, that was insane. So like for someone to actually drive something to you, it, it was like a $4, you know, gas commitment to so all of these weird things, and then that kind of dried up. Like that stopped once the stimulus checks and the unemployment like benefits came in. It, it kind of leveled it out. But for like a solid three, four weeks there, people were just flooding Craigslist with all kinds of, of stuff. Um, yeah, furniture, anything like that they could. I mean, firewood was just insane. Like firewood dropped, um, you know, probably like to 50 bucks a face cord. Um you know, so, you know, around here, that's probably about half of what it goes for in the Madison area because it's more, more demand yeah. for seasoned. So, I but mean, how people much are just, this is, how much of this is real? Because we're talking about unemployment money, stimulus checks. I mean, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I'm, I have to do the math, but I'm pretty sure I made more money this year than I have my whole entire life because everybody's on YouTube. So the CPM just went up to the roof. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm serious. I went no, from yeah, like, no. A dollar per thousand to almost five dollars per thousand. Yeah. So, but like, how much that money is actually real? Like, I'm worried about the snapback. Like, when the rug gets pulled out, and now okay, got to work for a living again, and we're all fighting for these stupid yeah. jobs, and a bunch of them just disappeared because they went bankrupt because they couldn't keep their doors open, and right. now all of a sudden everybody's got to pay rent that they're months behind because they just didn't pay it because why? Well, you know, I can't get kicked out. You know, find a new place. So all these people are hitting the street. Like, how bad is this seriously going to get? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because um, part of the stock market, right? So we're up at it. Today was was a big loss, like maybe 900 points. But but we're up still like 28,000 and it was down to 17,000. But if you look at the gains, like uh, one of my friends who was um, an uh, executive banker with with uh, one of the, one of the big banks said, you know, it's, it's government money. Like it's stimulus money through BlackRock that's being used to buy stocks and invest in mutual funds, which is pushing a lot of this stuff up. So as, as, as you're indicating, like how much of this is really appreciation um, versus just government printing off money, buying up stocks, buying up bonds. And, and um, yeah, I'm with, I'm also watching like interest rates, like, you know, interest rates on a home, like at 2%. I mean, my, I'm not buying a house, but, but that's like so weird interest rates on a five-year certificate of deposit. Like when I was growing up, that was like 8%. Now it's like, you know, 1%. So you look at this thing, just like you're saying, like if you just keep printing money off, uh, how does that work? And especially if people don't have jobs, like if you're out there and it's like, this job is gone. I interviewed, so get this. I interviewed this dude, um, Robert Travis. He's a Alaskan crab boat deckhand. Okay. So in two, 2007, he was out for 122 days on this 200 foot boat. And it's it just wild stuff because, you know, you see this stuff on TV, like Alaskan crabbers and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, man, it was just so much crazier than that. Right. So, you know, they, you get this huge check when you get off after 122 two days. Um, but he's like, because we we're, were talking about it afterwards. And I said, like, 
because one thing he said is like the skipper uh, up above the skipper's watching, see what's happening. And, and his skipper would hit a horn and you had like three seconds to grab onto something. Cause it's like 60 foot swell would come over the, the boat and there'd be like these refrigerator sized chunks of ice. And if they hit you, they'd like take you out to see or kill you. I mean, it was just gruesome. So I'm like, did you get used to that? He's like, not really. Cause you never knew how the boat was going to respond. But then he got into this other conversation. He said, but really like, I, there isn't much incentive to make it safer or try to like get better at detecting this stuff because this will all be automated like in 20 years, right? Like the crab boats will all have robots, which will just do this like a deckhand that won't even exist. And I was like, yeah, like there's so many jobs like that that just won't exist. The only thing you'll do is like remote control the boat and <laughs> you'll just experience it. So like that job's done. And you know, like for 122 days, I, th I think in 2007, he said he made like $65,000. So like those, all of these jobs, you're, you're right. I mean, we're getting into this new automation economy. Kiosk systems everywhere. Yeah. Like at Walmart today. I mean, like basically, you know, they have two registers open and then they have 10 self-checkouts open <laughs> and it gets to the point where it's like, okay, like, I guess I'll just self-check out because it's going to be faster, but is this really the the way it's going to to be from now on? Um, yeah, I don't. Man, I I really struggle with that of of especially you know like you know with with my kids of trying to figure out down the road what's a good career path to go in. <laughs> that, well, yeah, and I'd like to push my daughter into media like what I'm doing because it's simple. She could do her own thing. But this is all superficial. Like the rug could just come out any day. Like if the advertisement money goes away, this is no longer profitable and it just dries up. And because it's profitable right now and everybody's at home that's having a huge influx of creators, like that's going to have a snapping point at some means. Right. Yeah, it could be, a, you know, a deplatforming um, too. I mean, that that, that could come out, um, you know, which... Uh, you know, I don't know if you know Stefan Molyneux. I mean, he, he had a really big YouTube uh, uh, channel um, and he was he was deplatformed. And, and I mean, we started to see some of that. Now, what I'll say, I also think, though, there's this really cool part right now of like. So, I mean, I have you on the show. Um, I've, I've followed your show. I follow a lot, a lot of shows, but I get really great content. Like I learn a lot and I learn a lot that's authentic, like that, you know, I know this. This is verified stuff that you're sharing. And we didn't have that like 10 years ago. This stuff didn't even exist. So oh, I know. <laughs> this really cool opportunity to get this honest information. And back in the Soviet Union in the 80s, there was something, well, before that, but there was this term called Samistat. Um, what is a, it? Um, let me type it, because I didn't even know what the hell this was until I talked with um, with Nikolai. So Samistat is basically like that... Um, this would be this podcast would be like an underground podcast. Like somebody would record it and then they would like share it with somebody else. And, you know, they would bring the recording actually on a little recorder and play it for them or like they, they would transcribe it and they would share the transcription with them. So it's all underground information. And it was like the truth. So like we kind of have to have this like truth thing now to balance out like the mass media. So it is kind of because that's one thing, too, is like, you know, what do we trust for information? Well, like I, you know, when you when you just brought up earlier on your phone and you said here, like I could get forty eight hundred, you know, um, different weapons I could pick from. And now what is in stock? Eighteen. Like, OK, that's truth. Like that is actually showing supply and demand. Like you've just made it objective for me. So so there is this really cool part right now with the Internet and stuff, as long as it doesn't get censored and shut down. I also, what, what if what would we do? If Google announced 
on January 1st, everybody has to pay $5 a month to keep their Gmail. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd be like, what the hell? Like, what would you migrate to? And people would just probably do it because they wouldn't want to give up their Gmail. But I mean, we, we have these, all these kind of little free systems too, that we, we, we rely on, but they're all companies. It's well, imagine like, the other side too. Let's pretend that the mass media collapse. What they can do that we can't is investigative journalism. They can actually send somebody in there. So like when I make a video, I can look at the raw data and interpret what I want off of it, make a video. However, I cannot go out in the field and interview President Trump or something like that, like how things would change then if we didn't actually have the media to send out investigative journalism. That Dude. would... That would just be a huge, even though we don't trust them, because they're interpreting the information, right, drawing right. their own conclusions, and then right. putting it out there. We can still look at the raw data, interpret it ourselves, and then come up with information. But if that was wiped off the table, because we need them, like even though we don't like them, we still need them. Yeah, the, 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 and there's got to be this point, too, where there has to be more accountability in, in journalism. And it was, you know, the whole thing right now is what gets out there first, because 30 percent of people will take the first part piece of information they get and then they'll just grab onto it and say, this is a fact. And I don't care what else comes out for information. So like with coronavirus, like the first information that 30 percent of the people got, they just stuck with it, you know. And so. It's the media is really, uh, you know, the, the the deep stories just aren't happening as much anymore. It's just if they can get it out there first, clickbait. they know thirty percent of the people um, will go with it. So that's really, it's so in this book I'm writing anyway. The velocity of information, so velocity, speed, and the direction um, with the media, it's changed where they just want to get stuff out, and they know that thirty percent of the people, if they get it out first, they'll just believe it and they'll ignore everything else. So there isn't this this fact checking or or citing sources i would say like what you do like when i watch your channel i'm like that's really well cited like when you went through your four phases and and you're giving that i'm like that's that i mean that's a really good journalism approach i would i would take that over like what i see on channel 3000 and stuff like that any day so so yeah i mean i i think that i i'm i i think there's a lot of YouTubers actually that, that really get into like interviewing and going and observing and, and stuff like that and get a lot of good data. Oh, and I know. Him, I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying like, I can't let my head get too big because we still do need them. Always will be reduced to seeing Snapchat videos to get yeah. investigative journalism. And it's, I think what might happen in the future is the investigative journalism's might sell their information off. So they'd be like a group and they'd investigate stuff. And then you could pay like a monthly fee to get the information sent to you or something like that. Man, I think you're right on. Uh, there's a reporter with uh, the lens in Washington state, TJ Martinell, who kind of, who kind of thinks of what you're thinking too, um, that people would pay a premium for information they knew was largely valid and verified that people had, had done the research on it. And verified. I think it, Unbiased. I think you're right on that. That's going to that that's going to come out there. Um, like a subscription service, you subscribe to them for yeah. X amount of dollars a month, and when they get their reports, they're not edited, not filtered. They just put it up there. You can read it, interpret it your own way, and then make your video. No, man. I no. I I totally I totally think that's something um, that we should watch for down the road because yeah, these subscription services for investment. 
No, I mean, you're, you're right on. And, and like, you know, look at, look at your channel, what you've got, was it like, you know, 58, 60,000 subscribers? Um, I don't know how long I'm you've over had your 50, channel. less than 60. So somewhere and, in I mean, there. Because I mean, you have great content. Um, you know, what you say, I, people would have a high level of trust in, I mean, as I, as I watch your channel, like I'm, I'm educated on what you're sharing, but like, you're just, you're really, you're giving me information I can use. You're giving me perspective I can use. And then you're citing, you know, data, you just have a good, and people recognize that. Right. So they're going to that. And I, as you said, I think there's a premium, um, that goes on to that. And you said, you know, people can build off. Yeah patreon pages and other things of subscriber support but if they're like i can get accurate information you know because i'm let's say i'm a firearms enthusiast i can get accurate information from from matt i mean he's going to lead me down at least an informed road he's the information he's giving me i can i can trust so yeah i think that i, I think that's really good and who would have well, thought see, you, like i'm value sharing with my audience now i'm not going to pretend that my information is perfect or anything like that i'm just putting out what i see but I extract value out of them. They extract value out of me. Now, like if the mainstream media starts collapsing, now they're investigative journalists. They have the value that they have connections. They're able to go places, stuff like that. They might do a subscription site where we can extract value out of them. We pay a monthly fee. Then we get their stories. We read it, put it on our channel, and everything just rolls. And then you're eliminating the highly biased, you know, how do you even word it? Mainstream, because I can't just... Broad stroke because like everything's different, but you know they're highly in, highly influenced. That's the word I was looking for. Highly influenced from yeah. like their ads and stuff like that. Like they have to go in a certain way because it's just the way it is. And might wind up skipping that process. They might still exist because some people like to just turn on their TV and see what's going on. But I think it might break down into more of a, a split level because I mean, look at those top. Uh, Late night, late night shows. They've been running the same hat. Well, I can't call it a hat trick. They've been running the same show since the fifties. Like literally, if you play one of those late night shows in black and white and turn up the treble, it sounds just like what exactly was going on in the fifties. Now there was a couple of people that adapted. They went to more YouTube style, and they're exploding. Like they're doing better than they were when they were on TV. Now there's a couple of people that didn't. They literally still paused because that's when the the whole clapping and people would laugh was supposed to fill in. So they tell a joke, they'd be like, and then the duck said, right. and they'd pause, but they didn't realize that on YouTube, that makes it awkward. Now there was a couple that adapted, started using jump cuts, you know, quick little means. They're actually doing better now than they were on TV. So, I mean, that shows a trend. It things need, things are changing. And I think it'll might also change for the yeah. media. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. I mean, and for you, I mean, so like if you started to, to not um, be as precise with your show, you know, it, it, it got careless with it or anybody did, they would start to lose subscribers because there's competition, there's other shows out there. So it also, it's an, there's, there's also this incentive to continually make yourself better and, and to improve your show and where like, you know, some, you know, the media, the mass media kind of has this monopoly on, on things like, you know, back when I was, when I was growing up, I remember there were only three stations, right? We didn't even have cable TV, so you didn't have much of a choice, but now you can go on the internet and you can get, you know, so much, but so your reputation is really huge. Like, so, I mean, like you, so like, I mean, I would say, you know, your reputation, solid guy, like a knowledge guy, very perceptive, good dude. So like that carries your channel and that continues to bring subscribers to you. So 
there is there is so there is this really I think positive side as you indicated of if you're authentic and you're you're developing your brand and you're giving honest information out to people that they can use. There's there's value. People pay for that. I would definitely pay a subscription fee for that. I mean, hands down, hands down. Well, and see, there's something to be said about clickbait, and that's what the mainstream media made. They concentrate on clickbait. There is something to be said. You can get little spikes, but if you truly want to grow, you just can't do that. Like I, in earlier years, I mean, let's, let's not pretend like I'm innocent. I may have used a little bit of clickbait, but it, it didn't pay out. I'd see my views that would be like 30 seconds into the video, realize I'm not delivering what I'm selling, poof, right. down like a 10% viewer rate. And you lose from that. So if they were to actually like go onto like a platform like YouTube and started putting out stories, which they do, but I mean, if it was just that straight up clickbait, they would fail. There, you just can't. I know a bunch of media tried dumping a actual like their budgets into a YouTube channel and it failed. They have to. It's just got to be low cost. You got to deliver what you're selling. And I, I think we will see a change. I don't think it's going to be them disappearing completely, but I do think we will see a change because they just can't continue on the way they're doing. Yeah, no, no, it's that you're right on. So, hey, hey man, I know you've, you've put in a long day here and I appreciate the time you've given to the, to the show. I mean, this has been a, a tremendous uh, show. Absolutely love this discussion. Appreciate your work. So in closing, uh, Matt, I mean, um, just what advice um, would you have for people to, um, you know, to stay to survival, to prepper, to to stay stay safe, to prepare for the next couple months? So, I mean, if someone's coming to you and they're saying, "Hey, what do you think? Would what should I be tuning into? What 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 can I do to help myself?" You're like, "Okay, here's like a couple things I think you anybody could do." Calm the hell down. Pay attention. You'll see what's going on. I really like your show, though. It's put together pretty nice. I didn't oh, hey, actually thanks. find you on YouTube until you got a hold of me. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And, and again, for people uh, for people watching, um, what, what's interesting is that, so I, I initially I, I, I one of your one of your shows came up in you know the, the side of suggestions, and I'm watching it, and then after a little bit, I'm like, this guy lives like 30 miles from me. <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, just so, so, so weird because, you know, um, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like I exactly, I exactly know, you know, where, where he is. And, and I, I really, the initial, you know, video was your four phases of chaos, uh, which I'll link out when I do the blog post for this. Um, and you, you touched on it here at the start, you know, you went through it in, in, in that episode, um, you're, like you're I really said, late. there's overlap, and that's just a broad stroke. But it it's is. Just... It, it's it is a terrific episode. So people that haven't seen it, you know, I'll put that in the in the show description so they can go back, or you know, up above if they scroll all the way through the comments, they can get to your YouTube channel. I've got it linked up, and um, but yeah, so so that gives a, a really insightful timeline of kind of how we got to where we're at right now, and breaks it down again into these phases of supply and demand and just in time manufacturing and. And because I think, again, some people just see like this just started like in March. And what you point out is, no, not really. Like this actually started like many years ago with some policy changes and stuff like this. And now like this event like magnified it, but it had roots going back much further. So 
I really appreciate that because when I ask people, you know, about all of this, they kind of say like, it started here, like March 15th, it started. And it's like, no, not really. Like that was, it amplified there, but it started like much beforehand. Things started to ramp up. And so, all right, buddy, I will, I will take us out. Let me just get your channel. Um, I'm going to bring it up here um, on the screen. So people. All right. Dun, 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 dun. Hey, when you get a chance to show me how to use this whole live stream thing, because I want to have people on my channel, but I don't know how to do the. What is this? Streamyard. Streamyard, um, which I which I love. Because um, I see you pulling up graphics and like yeah, that's you can, just all voodoo to me. It is part voodoo, so you do you've got that. Um, actually, this used to crash my system when it first kind of came out. So, um, all right. So here is CRS uh, firearms on the the screen. So this is um, your YouTube site, um, CRS firearms. So we can go. We just click. So through. do you have two computers running right now? Nope. Um, I've got one. I've got three monitors in front of me um, right now. So so yeah, this is really cool. So anybody out there to Streamyard, and there's a, a free version. This is the free version. I can do twenty hours of this a month, and then there's also a paid version which uh, gives you a few more features and, and it takes out the 20 minute and it lets you put your logo and stuff. But um, yeah, so, you know, just clicking back here on, on a number of your, your uh, videos and CRS firearms is the channel. Um, I'm subscribed. Look at this over here. So um, Yahtzee. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm there. And uh, so I'm going to pull us back to, Get out of, of here. So yeah, if you haven't already, if you can do me, if you're listening, do me a solid, hit the thumbs up um, and also follow my channel. Um, so yeah, I don't have 59,000 viewers. I think I have 221, but that's, I, you I, had, start less somewhere. A, I had less than a hundred before January. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's picking up. Um, so it's, we all started from zero. Pretty cool. So, well, um, Matthew, again, thanks for, being on the show, I appreciate your content. Uh, this was a terrific discussion. And after we get out here, um, we can do a quick touch base here before we, we formally exit out. But I am going to end this broadcast, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, participating in the chat. We had a, a terrific, vibrant chat today. That elephant armpit, man, that, that guy is crazy. That guy is, is absolutely crazy. <laughs> he's a good guy, but yeah, he's crazy. He's crazy. So, all right, everybody, take care. It's your good friend, um, the Safety Doc. Have a good one. This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.